tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. And Leanne is producing today. Coming up on the show this morning, Deputy Carol Nolan speaks out on behalf of the Ross Gray protesters. And we'll be speaking about the ministers travelling abroad for St. Patrick's Day. Why more people are being encouraged to consider fostering dogs. Also, we'll be chatting about businesses in Clonmel gathering to discuss the issues that uh, are concerning them. Living with dementia, we'll, dementia, we'll be speaking to one lady uh, who is living with uh, dementia in the final hour of the programme. And we're on the road again because it's our village tour. And this morning, Ali will be live from Burn Court, so we're looking forward to a great programme there uh, just after 10 o'clock this morning. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 Double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Now let's have a look at the newspapers and uh, the story right across uh, the newspapers today. The government announced uh, the St. Patrick's Day programme for 2024, which will see the Taoiseach, Tánishta and representatives of the state engage in what has been described as a, an extensive international programme to promote Ireland and Irish interests and values around the world. The Taoiseach uh, will travel to Washington. He'll also uh, make his way to uh, Boston. The Taunishta, Michal Martin, uh, will travel to several areas in Canada, while the Green leader himself, Eamon Ryan, will jet off to Brazil, believe it or not. So the carbon footprint there... Um, is uh, an interesting one. Uh, also, opposition uh, politicians have called on the government to boycott the ceremony in the States completely in light of what's happening in uh, Gaza, while Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald has also been criticised for her trip to the US. Other big stories, the Irish Daily Mail leading with the story that the Gardaí are knocking on doors of failed asylum seekers and checking uh, flight lists to ensure self-deportation orders are fulfilled, the Justice Minister has said. How times are changing there. Um, the Irish Independent, the main story there, couples with health cover from VHI are to be hit with increases of up to €900 Euro when they renew their plan after the company's third hike in premiums in just one year. And uh, the Indo is dominated by a a dreadful photograph in so many ways. Israeli soldiers uh, disguised as doctors and nurses uh, captured on CCTV as they raided a hospital in the occupied West Bank on a mission to kill three Palestinian uh, militants. But it's like a photograph from a a TV show or from a movie or something. The Irish Times and uh, their main story, the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, uh, strongly criticised Leo Varadkar over Ireland's case against the UK's Legacy Act uh, during a telephone call between the two leaders yesterday to discuss uh, the Stormont breakthrough. Um, in a move intended to signal a tougher implementation of uh, immigration and residency rules, the government says it will charter aircraft to deport uh, people who uh, claim for asylum. 
uh, has uh, whose claim indeed for asylum has been rejected. Also an interesting one on the Times today. Illegal costs in Irish medical negligence cases are among the highest in the world. And that's according to a report that says the uh, slow pace of legal actions here is damaging patients and doctors' mental well-being. And uh, the Irish examiner... And uh, their main story is a Ukrainian one, a surge in the number of Ukrainians arriving in Ireland in recent days ahead of the state's impending 90-day accommodation rule will intensify pressure on the government's uh, uh, ability to source accommodation. And latest figures for the seven days to the end of January 28th show a total of 628 Ukrainians were offered temporary protection here. Now, this compares to 390 for the previous week. Also that story about the VHI and uh, the third hike in 12 months there. Well, that's uh, what's making headlines today. If you'd like to make comment on any of that, again, we'd love to hear from you on text or WhatsApp. 083-311-3311. Independent TD Carol Nolan spoke in the Doyle yesterday about immigration and recent events in Ross Grey. Here's what she had to say. I represent people on the Tipperary Offaly border who work in the town of Ross Grey. Decent people who pay their taxes. And it was shameful the way they were treated and demonised in the national media. There's not one bad person that was up there that day. And everything was handled wrong. It was done to create the image that the people were wrong, that the community was wrong, and I condemn that. It was very wrong what was done to those people. Those communities are concerned. Communities are entitled to ask questions. They are entitled to do that. And, you know, the mishandling of, of, of that incident was shocking. But the RT camera was there, of course, to capture it all. So it was choreographed to the, to the, to the greatest detail. And I want to condemn that and call it out because people do see it in the country for what it was and it certainly backfired. Independent TD Carol Nolan uh, there. Well, uh, one of our regular contributors, Mick, is in uh, Clonmel. Good morning to you, Mick. Hey, good morning, man. Good to talk to you. Mick, we asked you to have a listen to that for us and give us your, your thoughts. What, what do you think about that? Well, I, I have to say this well, there were a few occasions yesterday where I, I wasn't up to date with the news and, and uh, whatever. Yeah. So uh, in, in, in that regard, uh, all I can say is that uh, I totally, uh, uh, how would I say, uh, out of character for me to, to, to not be up to date with, with uh, what uh, TD said. Mm. But um, I, I don't know, uh, I, I often wonder about TDs in election year, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, worry, I, I worry what they would say in, in, uh, as, as regards uh, local elections. Uh, European elections and a, a possible general election at the end of the year, which is, I'd say, nearly on the cares at this stage. So, are are they playing to the voters? Do you think some of what you're hearing, at least, Mick, is that is that what it is? Absolutely. Uh, the, the first uh, the the preservation sign of a TD is uh, when they get elected. The next step is to get re-elected. Yeah, yeah. That's you know whether you're a local politician. Our, our, uh, yeah, your, your, your first inclination is to go the popular route, you know what I mean? Yeah, because we're hearing from Helen McEntee now that she's, and, and these are her words, cracking down on immigration. And if somebody made that point just a few weeks ago, they'd be branded as being far right or being racist. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you see, that's where, that's where, where, uh, the, the, the inclination of a, a politician is to get re-elected. Yeah. 
and they, they will they will jump jump on any bandwagon to, to, to get there. I'm not saying that the uh, immigration situation is perfect, uh, or, or uh, the means to to, to uh, regulate it is perfect. But at the same time, uh, humanity goes out the window when when uh, politicians get involved. I'm afraid. And does that concern you that that is going to be the case in the coming weeks and months? Because, as you say, local elections, European elections, and the possibility of a general election as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> politicians will jump on. on uh, their ego comes into play when it comes down to, to uh, uh, election time. And, and uh, let me tell you that politicians have big egos. Yeah. They love themselves, basically. You know what I mean? They're very fond of themselves. Yeah, because up until now, Mick, to be honest with you, while I didn't agree with a lot of what I heard from politicians, I had to admire them for taking an unpopular stance um, with the public where immigration was concerned. But now I see even with Sinn Féin, they're, they're watering back their their rhetoric on, on immigration. Well, now, Sam, you know me a long time, and when it comes down to Sinn Féin, I don't have to go down that route with you yet. Yeah, you're not a fan, Mick. You're not a fan. No, I, I can see a lot in, in, in uh, what they're doing, but uh, as a girl's being a fan of Sinn Féin, I'm afraid uh, you, 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 you'd be in trouble if you asked me to, to uh, find something. Yeah, and, and uh, a big drop in the poll. Well, a considerable drop, I suppose, in the polls, according to the Business Post last last Sunday as well. Um, yeah, they they will jump on any. They're likely to be the populist party, you know what I mean? And uh, they'll do and say all the right things mm. to suit their agenda. The whole immigration thing, it appears now it's going to be the biggest deal um, when when we talk about the, the elections coming up. Is that a surprise to you that it's gone to top of the list? It's actually above housing at the moment. Yeah. Why, why it should overtake housing. Housing is the biggest problem facing this country by by a country mile. Yeah. But it's 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 it's, uh, it's it's not populist at the moment. It doesn't get votes. Uh because you you've heard the same thing over and over again as regards housing. It's it's every day. Uh people people get bored of listening to the same thing, even though it might be the most important thing on the agenda. Mm. Uh, they, they like to uh, uh, people like to blame other people for for different situations as well. Like, you know what I mean? And do you mean housing ties into immigration then? Because some people are blaming the immigration system for, I, I suppose, compounding the huge issue that we have with with housing. The, the problem with housing goes back to Bertie Howley uh, when when there was no uh, uh, local authority houses being built. Ninety percent of the housing stock in Clonmel was was a, a, a built for, uh, by, by local authority. Mm. In the days when we had nothing as a country, we were still able to, up, up to the 80s, we were able to build hundreds and 150 houses nearly every year. Uh, Dr. Herman got rid of all that. He said, leave it to the market. Yes. They, they left it to the market. And uh, they, they're, they're, they're reaping as they saw it. But they're still they're still leaving it to the markets. Um, how you know how much proof do they need that this doesn't work, Mick? Well, I mean, I, I work in the local authority most of my life, yeah. oh. and and I, I I know the situation from the from the inside. 
and it, 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 there was a day when, when uh, you'd be proud to be working in the local authority when they were opening uh, a, a new house in the state or something like that, maybe a hundred house, yeah. and to see the, the to see the the, the the faces of people that were delighted to get, my God, look at the lovely house that they're getting. Now, they might have been perfect in every regard, but they, they were done good houses. Yeah, I, I, I remember myself as a child, you know, the family getting the keys to the council house, Mick. And I mean, it was oh, life, yeah. it was life changing, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at Conway, look at all the houses that, that were local authority houses. Now, now they're in easy areas to live in, of course, because uh, the, the families have been ruined and, and, and uh, uh, the, 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 we, we said that the housing uh, uh, areas have, have settled down. You yes. know, you haven't uh, big families or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you look at the likes of Griffith Avenue, Albert Graham, St. Matthew Terrace, O'Reilly Avenue, St. Vincent de Paul Terrace, Clark Spinners, Byington Drive. They all look at the heaven. You know? And and because of your history of working with the authority, do you agree with the notion of selling off the stock then, as they did over the years? And many, many of our families benefited from that, I suppose. But do you agree with that? Uh, well, you see, if, if, you, if, you said, if, it was, if you said that you didn't agree with it, uh, you'd be you, you'd be down as, as a, some sort of a communist, or yeah, a, yeah, you know. But uh, um, it, it wasn't a question of, of, of selling off the stock; it was the replacement of the existing stock never occurred. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? People were to pay rent for donkey's years, and next thing they got the chance to buy up horses, and they became settled in the early and the whole lot. That was a good thing for the town. It was a good thing for for, uh, for the population in general. Yes. But it, it, it wasn't the fact. It wasn't the fact that the, that the local authority houses were sold. It was the fact that there, there was no replacement of of the of the stuff uh, took place. Like, you know. Yeah, and now we're playing catch up, I suppose, and uh, and yeah, catch up. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not even in the same uh, league of catching up. We will never. We will never ever catch up again. To that extent, never. Oh, that's a, that's a, a big statement, Mick. Mick, we always appreciate your time, and thank you for coming on with yeah. me this morning, Mick. Yeah, that is all. Thank you, thank you, bye bye. You know, that's Mick in uh, Clonmel. How do you feel about that? Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The text and WhatsApp is oh eight three three double one double three double one. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Well, this says Carol Nolan is a great TD and a person of principle and uh, too many in the Doyle aren't, says one of our listeners. Another listener saying the family dynamic has changed considerably, Fran. Um, where our house was, where a house was needed, just now three or four single parents, marriage breakdowns, etc. And uh, okay, lots more onto us about various different things there, and I'll have a glance through it and I'll bring it to you in just a few moments. But in the meantime, onto something different because yesterday we spoke to Noreen, who expressed her concerns about the HSE, lack of GPs and primary care, nurses and staff overwhelmed, patients on trolleys 
surgery cancellations and long awaiting lists. Well, Brenda was listening, got in touch and joins me now. Brenda, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm great, Brenda, and lovely to talk to you. It's been a while, Brenda. Would you, would you tell, tell me about your grandson, Brenda? Well, my grandson is six years old. Right, she was six there in December. He's had tonsillitis very, very bad almost every month last year, right? Um, he's been on antibiotics 10 months out of 12. Wow. This is the first one to January, and he's on antibiotics already. So we were seen at a special clinic there a couple of months ago in a local hospital, and they referred him for surgery. Now, as it turned out, he was referred private, and we had asked to get him seen publicly, mm. and then maybe look at the private. You know, we were told publicly could take two to three years, and um, by that consultant, he said it was urgent, mm. right? Yeah. So then we looked into the end of it. And we were told even to go private down here in the south, it could be July before he was seen by a consultant, and it could be September, maybe, to have the surgery done. Now, if you have a child with very bad tonsillitis, it's a high risk they could get strep A, mm. which can be very, very dangerous, right? Mm. He's been up and down to A&E. He's been in and out to doctors. His leg is affected. His food is affected. You know, and the poor crates are then to be trunned there for nearly a week after the antibiotics. So, um, you know, it's just not acceptable. Mm. It's and, just not acceptable. It must be affecting him having a bit of fun as well and playing and stuff, I guess, Brenda, is it? Of course it yeah. would. I mean, he, yeah. he's missed a, a lot of time at school to no fault of his own. He's yeah. a genuinely sick. And the schools have to report. If a child is missing so many days in the year, they have to report that. Mm. Yeah. So he is now in danger of being reported for missing so many days of school through illness, like, which is no fault of his own. And his parents, as you can imagine, are very worried and very anxious about it. Of course. So my son got in touch with the North um, through John O'Heaney. You know, John O'Heaney was running buses. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So my son contacted him and uh, he put him in touch with a hospital in Belfast. Mm. He can get a private consultation there in two weeks' time. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Now, the road he will go down, of course, he'll have to pay for the consultation. But hopefully, like, the surgery would be done maybe a week or two after that consultation when he sees how bad his tonsils are. And because it's the crossover, the HSE, you know, he'll get most of that money back yes. from the actual surgery. But I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean... You know, it's a little child. I've, I've heard of children with scoliosis there last year mm. waiting for surgery mm. up in Crumlin. Disgraceful. You know, Absolutely. No, it's not the surgeon's fault. It's not the doctor's fault. It's yeah. the system. You know, but I can't believe how bad, even to go private down here and pay for everything, you still have to wait maybe up to nine months. It's incredible. And we hear about huge issues with the NHS uh, as well, particularly exactly. the, the NHS in the north. But but you now I know it's private. But you're telling me within two weeks he could be seen. Yes. Possibly within three weeks, or certainly under a month, he could have his surgery. Yes, it's it's, it's just incredible, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it really is it's just I mean, it's it's ridiculous. We, I've, you know, and even to get through to the hospitals, I rang one hospital the other day to know did he get the outpatient appointment for from the, you know, Clonmel, let's say, 
that would be his nearest hospital. Mm. They said, yeah, we have that in the outpatient. But it'll take a week for that to get to the consultant in the same hospital. It, it, none of it makes sense to me, you see. No, Brenda, you no know? it's absolutely crazy. Like, when it comes to small children, look, me myself, I'm in the hospital system a long time. You know, I have an illness. And I'm very lucky. One of the very few. When sometimes if you're in the system, there's a problem you'll be seen. Yes. But it's getting into the system here in this country is a joke. I am just disgusted at the private service down here in the South. Even to go private and pay a nice bit of money like mm-hmm. it was going to be an overnight stay, uh, it still could take up to seven or eight months. Yeah, we were reading in the papers today, the VHI, um, the third hike in right. 12, 12 months, uh, I think it's gone up 7% right. now this week. So it's, you know, we're, we're we're all, well, many of us who luckily can afford it, I suppose, we're, we're paying huge money. Exactly. And, and you say, e- even exactly. privately, we're, we're... I mean, this is a young couple who, you know, had to save hard to build their own house. They're both trying to work. You know, they just can't afford VHI. Of course, no, so. of course. Um, and w- will you go ahead with, or will will the, 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 your your son? Will he go ahead yes, with Northern he's Ireland? He's going then? ahead of Belfast anyway. Yeah, he's going ahead of Belfast. Yeah, yeah. I think Be- it's in two weeks' time. The appointment is. Be- yeah, and because you can't look at the little boy. You know, suffering. Not at all. Like I mean, you know, his chances are so bad they don't ever actually go back down to normal size. That's yeah. how bad they are. They're still inflamed, even though they might be infected the whole time. Like. And I mean, as I said, the amount of hospital visits, the amount of time he's missed off school, the poor crater himself, he's not able to eat, his leg is at him. I mean, your heart should just bleed for them. I mean, you know yourself, like you have kids and you do anything for no, your kids. Sure I know, I know. You know. And uh, Brenda, with your own journey, and I don't want to invade your privacy, but would you, but, but I happen to know about it. Um, yes. you, your general thoughts on, on the HSE would be what? Well, as I said, look, I'm I'm dealing with Cork for the last 21 years now. Oh. I, as you know, I have leukemia. Yeah. And uh, I have been extremely lucky, extremely lucky. You know, I'm I'm still going up and down every three months. I'm getting my blood checked and I'm on my medication. Yeah. I am just one of the lucky ones. But even if there's another problem with me, I'll keep hounding them and hounding them and ringing and ringing and ringing. Because if you just don't ring, it won't happen. So you have, even if you're ill, Brenda, you have to be fighting all of the time. Oh, you have to be fighting, yeah. You have to be fighting the whole time. You have to just keep hounding them and hounding them and ringing them and ringing them and say, you know, when am I going to be seen? You know, how many in the list is in front of me? You know, I had very bad psoriasis in my hands there um, to to start to COVID really bad. And I couldn't open a bottle. I couldn't peel a potato. I couldn't do nothing. And the pain was severe. And um, I had to fight and fight and fight get an appointment at another hospital. But touch wood, I did. And I was seen once with a consultant. But every gave me, like, cured it. And I was there suffering for two years with my one hand and one foot in my leg. I was very bad. Seriously very bad. At times I couldn't entirely walk. But Brenda, if, but you, if, if you... If I were, hadn't nagged them... Yeah, if you weren't a fighter, you'd be still I'm there with fighter, that condition. Yeah. yeah. You'd be still yeah. there, yeah. And you yeah. must feel for people then who, you know, for whatever reason, they're not good at that. They're not good at confrontation. Well, I have friends. I have friends. And I'd say, well, I would ring him and I would say, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I couldn't do that. 
you know what I mean? I, I'd be no good at that kind of a thing. But it's probably because I've been dealing with hospitals for so long. Yes, I'm course. used to talking to doctors, I'm used to talking to nurses, and, you know, without getting obviously aggressive or contrary, you know, being as nice you can, because they're all under pressure. Yeah, it, 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 a person onto us, a, a listener on to say, my daughter was uh, deemed that she needed her tonsils taken out. We went private, but we were waiting 11 months to be called. Imagine. Imagine. 11 months. I mean, that's unreal, because I remember there before Christmas, I was watching Sky News, and all the junior doctors were out there. They were out on strike for about four or five days. Like, and here we are, and we can still get an appointment in Belfast. Well, they can still get an appointment within two weeks. That's what... You know, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And as I said, I'm not blaming the doctors. I'm not blaming the controllers. I was even told yesterday by this person, the secretary, right? I'm not going to mention names. And she said, even if the case is down as urgent, you still not will be seen. My God. And one of our listeners, Louise, was on, Brenda, and she says, will you tell Brenda... Uh, we took our son cross-border. The operation was done in weeks. Fantastic service. We got yes. most of our money back, uh, but yes. we needed to have a paper trail of where we got the money from. Well, okay, I didn't realise that now. But Isn't that interesting, yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose, just like everything, you just have to win and get a loan. Yeah, I suppose. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it will cost because of... I can't remember the exact numbers now. I think it'll cost the gust of three and a half thousand. Mm. But because you will get, I think you'll get eighty percent back from the hospital, but you're still lying at the uh, price of the consultant and obviously your travel. Of course, and up stay, and down, and, over and you're staying out, staying all over. All that, yeah. My my biggest fear is that you know, please God, and when he's the surgery done, if anything happened afterwards, you know, the aftercare. Like, you're still four hours from Belfast. Would you be seen down here? You know? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's it's, it's my a big worry, worry about going up it? so yeah. far. I it's know. a worry going up so far, yeah. Yeah, according to Louise, though, it it worked out extremely well for yeah. her son who was taken across border to, to have that done. Brenda, real pleasure, and I wish you well, and I wish your grandson Thank as you well. Uh, very well. Thanks, thanks, Brenda. Thank okay, you. Good, good thanks, morning Brenda. Good morning to you now. Okay. That's uh, Brenda. How do you feel about that? 1800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Yeah, I misread that comment from the listener that said my daughter was deemed that she needed her tonsils out. We went private and are waiting 11 months now to be called. In in other words, they're still waiting. I I thought after 11 months they were called, but they're they're still waiting. Jackie is in casual. Hello, Jackie. How are you? Jackie says, I just listened to that lovely woman uh, speak about her beautiful grandson and the health system. It's an absolute disgrace uh, what is going on in the health system for all age groups. There's no respect for anybody. Where schools are concerned... When a child is genuinely sick or has a difficult health issue, full stop, uh, this disrespectful intimidation about being missing more than 20 days from school. Uh, Parents and genuinely sick children have enough to cope with without schools putting more pressure on them. The 20-day absenteeism 
in schools needs to be addressed big time. Respect to all in all areas of life. Uh, normal everyday living, my backside, says Jackie in Cashel on 083 311 Now it seems uh, from what we've been hearing over the last few days that gluten and dairy-free products in local supermarkets in uh, the county is becoming rather difficult to find, especially for those who rely on them uh, if they have that special diet. Uh, Edwina was in touch with us about this and joins me now. Good morning to you, Edwina. Morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed, and lovely to talk to you, uh, Edwina. Will you tell me about your experience uh, about gluten-free in particular? Yeah, um, I suppose I just I, I commented on the Facebook post yesterday. You know, um, I know I have been listening to it uh, during the week where people had been uh, finding it difficult to get the product, but um, it just hasn't been my experience. Um, we, I, you know, we buy whether it's just like we buy the same thing every week or um but like um it's it's like i we buy bread um bread porridge um say really now the odd times we'd have visitor we'd have a biscuit or whatever um bread porridge pasta um but as there's lots there's like say there's lots of different gluten-free things now i mean i suppose they are a little bit more expensive than um then say non uh, non gluten free um, bread and stuff, but um, the, the, it's so expensive for it to be processed. Uh, so I understand why the price is there, and obviously, um, you know, it, it probably shouldn't be either. But I do understand because it does cost more to produce it. So, and and what is the story with your family, Edwina? How many of you need a gluten free diet? The three of us. All of you. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, my understanding is that it's very easy to contaminate uh, gluten-free products. Is that something you have to keep in mind as well? Um, yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, if, well, I mean, like we just thought, you know, it's gluten-free, you, you know, that kind of way, you know, like it, it is what it says in the tin. Like if it says gluten-free, then it is gluten-free, you, you know, that kind of way. Um, mm. I suppose like where you'd run into problems maybe with that is if you were eating out. Yes. And that is that is it that is a difficulty it is very difficult when you're eating out now on far like we're we're not in the position to be doing that on a regular basis or anything like it um but um it it, it is it is very difficult and i suppose we would find there are certain places and you just return to those places because you'd know that you were going to actually get a gluten-free item do you know that kind of way yeah, it's, it's interesting. When did you discover, by the way, that you needed a gluten-free uh, diet, Edwina? I'd say maybe four years ago, before yeah. COVID, you know, wherever that was. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so before COVID, um, myself, my husband got tested and uh, then uh, our son got tested because, like the previous caller, actually, it's interesting you're talking about tonsillitis. Mm. Um, we had, my son has, had suffered with it pretty, since he was a couple of weeks old. And we gave six years with it, just under six years with it, um, before he eventually got his tonsils out last year. And um, we did get the we did get a food sensitivity testing for him, so um, gluten free and lactose free as well, if possible. So wow. okay, so you have to be very careful, indeed. And you know, if by accident you end up having something that has yeah. gluten in it, is the reaction pretty severe, Edwina? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is, um, I suppose, like, look, you're not going to be hospitalised or anything in, in, of the like. We're, we're not that severe with it, like, but yeah. um, I know with myself, 
um, my God, you will know about it. Sictomia oh, um, yeah, and the like and all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah, you will know. But I, I get a rash as well, Fran. Do so, you? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I'll even know that I've come, that I've ingested something, you know, with, uh, not necessarily really with the, with the dicky tummy, but like I know that the rash comes up and I'm like, oh, I'm after touching something that, that has that has been contaminated, do you know, that kind of way. I, I think with some of our listeners, certainly um, one of our listeners who's a, a truck driver, his point was that needing a gluten-free diet and, you know, just popping into garage four courts yeah. and, and to delis and that kind of thing, that the options are limited, to say the least. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, friend, they're not they're not there, you know. And I suppose it's like anything, um, whether you're, you're, you know, whether you're diabetic or whether you're celiac or whether you have a lactose or a gluten-free intolerance, like you do have to meal plan um, and plan where you're meeting, you know, and we often bring our meals with us, you know, to our snack with us if we're going on a journey, et cetera, because, um, well, I suppose, you know, practically the price, but, um, and also that you're guaranteed that what you're going to eat, you will be able to eat something like, you know, yeah, and just for people who might have been recently diagnosed and uh, discovered that they need a gluten-free diet, Edwina, advice to them would be what? Um, advice, I suppose there is the celiac, um, there is a celiac website, and that is a really good website. To be mm. fair, yeah, um, like there are. Unfortunately, we don't pass the celiac test. Um, so, uh, and my own, even my uncle now, who lives in America, and with all their modern technology and whatever, neither of us will pass. We we won't pass the celiac test, but yet we still cannot. The minute we touch gluten, it, you know, it's it's like drinking poison. To be and honest. is that because your reaction to gluten isn't severe enough to pass the celiac test? Is that? Is that I, what? Actually, do you know what? I don't. I don't actually know. I I don't understand really. Wow. Um, why but yeah and i mean you know the americans have all their latest technology and all that kind of stuff you know they're the the, biggest, the bestest and brightest stuff all the, the medical world but um yeah no we can't neither but we can't it's very interesting I, I i'm i'm learning so much about this i i had no idea that it can be as severe as i've found out over the last uh, few days edwina yeah. but yeah you live and learn and all of that great to talk to you edwina and thank you for your time this morning yeah. thank thanks you thanks very much thank you after listening to brenda's story about her grandson there just a few moments ago uh jody got in touch with us and uh, joins me now jody good morning to you Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Jodie. Lovely to talk to you. Um, um, what, what, what about your reaction to Brenda, first of all? Uh, first of all, uh, Fran, yeah, she's absolutely 100% right. Um, I was on with you there a number of weeks ago in connection with my grandson mm. and uh, the Shannon Dock. And um, that if you ring them after half nine or half eight, excuse me, that you have to go all the way to Nina because they know they don't have the service in Thurles after nine o'clock or something like that, okay? So anyway, I told her that she had to travel all the way to Nina and she didn't get back till yeah. all about two or three in the morning. And if, if memory serves me correct, uh, the weather was bad as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and yeah. there were two car crashes on the on the Nina oh, Road, God. so she diverted going all the way around. Uh, the, 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 anyway, mm. um, so my friend Ger, um, um from Scotland, uh, she heard me on the pro- on your program, and uh, she rang me uh, to tell me that her herself is living in Scotland, and um, she had some sort of a chest infection or something. She's a nurse herself, so she rang her out of hours um, service, and she was seen home within two hours. 
Wow. Two hours, friend, you know. And they give out about the NHS. Yeah, yeah, and they're always giving out about saying what what a dreadful system it is over no. there and all of that. Yeah, yeah. no, she said that um, she rang, she was spoken to, the nurse spoke to her, um, she rang, and within five minutes the nurse rang her back. Within the hour she was in the hospital, in the hospital, right, with her, uh, on the way home with her antibiotics within two hours, everything done and dusted within two hours, where here it takes Oh, you know, it just takes hours, and especially with a small little baby, like it's just oh, not good enough, friend. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm always saying about the HSE, HSE, it is a monster. It's nobody can tame it. Nobody can tame it, friend. Nobody out there can tame it. And, and, on, yeah, and Jody, you've huge experience of this because you, yeah, again, yeah. I, I know you very well, Jody, and you've had mm. your own experience over yes, over quite absolutely. a period of time as well as what yes, you're talking yes. to me about today, but. Have you come to any conclusions about fixing this yeah, in some way? I think myself they're going to have to go back to the old-fashioned way of headboards in each um, division because yes. uh, everything is being done in Dublin. Where If you applied for a medical card years ago, you it was done down here in Tipperary and whatever, and... You know, people know people. Not that I'm saying that anybody's pulling uh, strings or anything like that. Yeah. Not, not that. But in Dublin, you're just an, a number. They don't know about your. They don't want to know about your circumstances. They don't care about your circumstances and whatever. And at the end of the day, Fran, you know, like the VHI, it's just three times has gone up this year. That's uh, between last year and this year. That is an absolute disgrace. Yeah. Like seven percent, seven percent this week, and we presume the yeah. other the other carriers will. will oh, oh, sure, it's everything. Suit, once, yeah. once, yeah, yeah, once one start, they all uh, they're all on the bandwagon and whatever. And I mean, I am just sick, tired, and fed up of hearing about oh, COVID, this COVID, that COVID is now gone as such. You know what I mean? It's mm. not the big yeah. monster it was and whatever. You mean blaming ev- COVID for Oh, yeah. They, I mean, yeah. Fight, hiding behind COVID. Like, everything is, oh, because of COVID, because of COVID. Like, you know, uh, we can't always be making the excuse because of COVID, because of COVID. You know, at the end of the day, Fran, you know, the Hall Martin and the on our brilliant <laughs> Taoiseach comes out and says, you know, oh, with, for Rod's Gray, we'll give them more doctors, more teachers. There is no doctors are not there. Nurses are not there. My own, um, uh, sorry, my own niece mm. had to go all the way to Australia mm. to get a job. You know, and she did, she trained and she, she stayed for the year and whatever, living in Dublin. She couldn't. She just could not uh, sustain, you know, the expenses mm. and whatever. So she's gone to Australia. That's another Fantastic young nurse gone out of our system. You know, yeah, sure. they're we're, living we're, in Calcutta land. Our yeah, government. I'm we're, sorry, we're, we're, they're, losing, they're, we're losing our brightest and best. It's, it's it's amazing. Do you know what's been emerging as well over the last couple of days is that even if you are paying your VHI or your health insurance yeah. to whoever you're paying it to, um, there's still huge holdups. There is, and you know something. Uh, years ago, my lads all had tonsillitis and uh, three out of the four of mine had to have their tonsils out and whatever. And, you know, then it was, you know, you, there's, if the doctor felt that, you know, you had tons, you know, you're suffering with tonsils, you were sent straight to a pediatrician. At that time, it was, uh, I can't think of his name, Fallon. And he was an absolute genius of a man down in Limerick, absolutely brilliant and whatever. And, you know, at the end of the day, friend, children can't help being sick. And I agree with that other lady, or that lady from Cashel mm. saying that, um, you know, 20 days, kids can't help being sick. 
and this 20 days that the, the parents are hauled in over the cold, over the kids, a child being out, yeah. when they have a genuine reason for being sick, they have to be that more lenient and whatever. And I just wonder, are they as lenient on the parents that take their children away for a week's holidays during the term? You know, that, see, there's, it's, it's double standards. You know, I mean, a child being sick... They can't have been sick, but children going on holidays with the parents because the parents feel it's cheaper to take them than take them in midterm or take them in summer or whatever. That, you know, there was supposed to be yeah. a policy where you got fined from the school, gave, gave you a fine for doing that. I don't know whether that's still, still enforced or whatever, you know. But at the end of the day, Fran, our health service is in dire and I just want to say to you about dementia because, you know, I I, I looked after dementia patients yeah. and whatever. Ten years ago, Fran, I said we are going to be in crisis mode with this dementia. And the government weren't pumping money. The government weren't pumping money in to dementia care or anything like that. And now, look, you know, huge, huge issues, and we'll, we'll be discussing huge. that later on in the program as well, yeah, Jody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jody, always good to to talk to you, and thanks very much thanks for for that, Jody. I'm sorry, I'm always raving about something, no, Brenda. No, you always make very good points, Jody, and great okay. to talk to you today. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. Happy you, New Year to you all there, to FFM. Many happy thank returns you. to you, Jody, and thanks very much indeed uh, for that. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Now, uh, I played that clip from Deputy Carol Nolan speaking in the Doyle. Uh, yesterday, and um, she was basically uh, speaking on behalf, I suppose, of the protesters in Ross Grey, and she felt very strongly about how they were treated in uh, the media. Now, we got a huge reaction to the piece, and uh, Pat joins me now. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning. Uh, great to talk to you again, Pat. Um, what What did you make of uh, Carol Nolan to begin with, and what she had to say? What I thought and what I was impressed with Carol was that she was very much aware of the whole situation and uh, it does a, a proper response to it. Uh, you have politicians and you have them on your show at different times talking. Um, and I'm not talking about Shane Lee. Shane Lee has done an awful lot of work up there and this, uh, uh, this, he was very much uh, in on the side of the people up there. But Carol said it as it was and she was very much aware of the situation uh, and that has to be looked at because she said it from the heart. This wasn't a normal election type thing and I want to get votes off of you there. She was telling the people of Ross Grey and she was telling the people that were handling this that you got things very much wrong here. And that's what I took out of this. Yeah, and uh, are, are you massive... seeing a bit of a turnaround uh, at, this, at this point, Pat? You know, like we're hearing Helen McEntee now talking about a crackdown on immigration. We hear about them chartering a plane to, to deport people. There, there's a bit of a turnaround here, is there? There looks to be a turnaround, but in actual fact that I've taken on these things on your show of the time, uh, this country will never change. Like, uh, the response there, even with the whole, the way that whole thing in Ross Grey was handled was a disgrace. And you'd know that anybody that had any dealing with handling that uh, were basically, uh, they had a different agenda. And unfortunately, I, on your show, I've taken on the church, I've taken on the political people, I've taken on uh, the housing situation on this and I said to you before there's an awful lot of thinking in behind when I take on things and unfortunately we have 
politicians. And Sinn Féin, even if they get in, they'll be no different. Whoever gets in, they're there to serve their masters. And the, the biggest control that this country had, and I had, I took a brave stand and I took on the church and people think, oh, this guy is 80, is what does he, kind of a background does he come from? I had a name, she was in the Sister of Charity all her life. So we come from a religious, I have an uncle at the moment, he's a priest in the UK. But where I, what I took on the church is, you look at the situation even in Ross Grace and what went on on a money and profit-making exercise that went on in the modern baby homes. And they basically told the people of Ross Grey, you can forget about all that that went on in the past. We're uh, bulldozing on here. We're putting 600 into two of our facilities. We're still a money-making uh, exercise here. And our politicians will uh, go along with this. And the, as regards the housing, and Mick mm. said it earlier about Bertie Ahern, Bertie Ahern and co, and anybody that'll ever get in to run this country in the future are there to serve developers and people are profiteering out of this. I tell you how badly wrong they've got the housing, and this came up there during the week. In Dublin, a, a, a guard's wage, a, a couple, one of them a guard and the other a teacher, they don't even meet the threshold for a house in Dublin. So that's how badly wrong they've got this. They're wow. basically and, the, and the combined income there would be what? It would be close to 100 grand, uh, I suppose, would it? Whatever it is, but they're two good jobs. Yeah. So you're talking about getting it wrong. They have got it very wrong. But what they're saying to those two people, you'll never own your own house. You're there to serve your master, and we'll put you. And now they're talking yesterday about uh, uh, wages increasing that will affect inflation. They're totally out of touch with this. But as I said, Karen Nolan c- came across there uh, as a person very much aware of the situation and very much. Yeah. Uh, and, and what do you make? Uh, and you've been critical of Sinn Fein in the past as well. But Mary Lou was talking Sinn about Fein. about dropping the house prices in Dublin to an average of around three hundred grand. What are they now? They're over five, aren't? The, the average price in Dublin. Um, what about that? What do you say to, the, to that? Fein doesn't add up to what Mick said earlier about uh, election coming up because they couldn't have handled any worse. Mm. Now, in fairness, and I'm having a go at Martin Brown, Martin Brown came on and he went with party politics. Mm. And Martin Brown clearly said that we have to take in the people and there's no limit on the things a whole lot. But who came out very badly out of this was Matt Carty came out and stated that the people of Ross Grey had no right to be protesting outside that thing. So if they're trying to get votes off of people, they couldn't mm. have got it any more wrong. But in fairness, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just Sinn Féin that had that view. I mean, that was generally uh, a cross-party uh, view, with the exception of some independents and possibly and too, but... but The certainly. government are totally out of touch with the situation of these refugees, and I said all this, and you had even that lady on there just before me, and she talking ten years ago about a situation and was it dementia or something? Yeah, uh, yeah dementia. Uh, yeah. And she, she, yeah, and she said that this needed to happen. That was ten years ago, and that, that person was telling them ten years ago what mm. needed to happen. But as I said to you before, we have politicians here that are not listening to the people and not addressing the needs of the people. And like they're talking now with this storm and thing, they're getting it back up and running. Mm. That'll never get back up and running properly um, while that six counties are part of the UK because they're an, it's a non-EU country. So all they're doing is pussyfooting around and trying to come up with these uh, backstop and whatever names they're coming up with. But at the end of the day, they haven't a clue what they're doing. And as I said, this country is in a bad state with the people. They're there to serve 
the uh, mm. developers and millionaires and whatever, but they're losing track. Like, I spoke to you about my own situation with my daughter with a house there. She's not even in the running for this. She's in, she'll never, ever be uh, have a house or have anything to do with a house because this is a flood of every kind of a job. And that's what Carl Nolan even said. They're coming from every corner of the world. They're coming in here. And unfortunately, I saw this from a local level of local politicians um, basically addressing their needs and, av- and avoiding the decent people um, that are there on the ground. And but but I presume you, do, uh, you, 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 you would admit, Pat, that some of the people coming in here are in dire need and are coming from very unfortunate situations. You know, do you, do you accept that there, there is an element of that? They are in dire need, but like you saw how badly wrong they even got in Cashel. They were going to putting out the people that were in dire need yeah. that their homes were after being taken and firing them out the yeah. street. But that's they just an indication of the desperation that's there in the department because they just can't find the, enough accommodation. The department accommodation. is totally dysfunctional and as I said, Roger O'Gorman is in his own little bubble and our, our yeah, I think is it Roger O'Gorman that's over this. This fella is there and he basically, he, he doesn't even realise there's a, an Irish citizen there. All he's thinking is this, that and the other. And they're on about Rwanda there every day in the doll. Rwanda and all that is going to be handled by the superpowers, the Americans and all that. The Irish doesn't play any bloody part in this. And they're talking about going for St. Patrick's Day. What, to pull more strokes and bring in more foreigners? They're not, they're not going over there for the good of this well, country. Eamon Ryan is going all the way to, to Brazil, which is questionable if you think about the carbon footprint of that. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion, I suppose. Pat, it's always good to talk to you and thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. Uh, news and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to Tip Today. It's time for this The Tipperary Village Tour, funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Now we're in Burncourt in South Tipperary for this week's Tip uh, Today Village Tour. We'll go live to Burncourt in just a few moments' time. But first of all, Ali and John took a tour of some of the main attractions in the area. Okay, John, for this week's village tour, we're in an area I know well, the lovely Glengarra Woods. Absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? In fact, I don't know whether I should have the microphone in me question (laughs) you or not. I feel uh, very inadequate here with a local expert. But one thing I can say is this is one of the most beautiful places for a walk. And, of course, it's up to the lovely trees that are along here. And there's beautiful forestry. And, of course, as we're going up along, we'll see all these, which was a a fad in the 19th century among the the aristocracy to bring in exotic trees from abroad. And the uh, Viscount Lismore from uh, Shanbali Castle, I'm sure which you know, you've heard about as well. He brought in all these trees and put them up along here. So it makes a beautiful walk 
to a beautiful location high up on the, higher up on the mountain. But what I love about this walk is, I mean, they're beautiful walks, but this is one of my favourite, because all the way up along you have this noise, and we should listen for a second. And isn't that so soothing, yeah. uh, a walk like this? So this is one of my favourite walks. And in fact, we're doing, I think, Borden Court this week. And of course, this is the Borden Court River. So it's the first connection there. So, I mean, I think that's, that's absolutely fantastic. I remember it's a gateway into the Galatis as well as that. Maybe uh, enough people don't know about it. And hopefully in the future, a lot more will know about it. And of course, if we go up here, then that is one of the treasures of the Galatis up here. I will probably visit that and talk about its history. And on the way then, we'll see, I think the sequoia tree was brought in from California. And it's interesting because these trees can live to be three or 4,000 years. Now this one is obviously a baby. It's only three or 400 years old. So it maybe it probably hasn't even reached its full height yet. But it's wonderful to see all of that, the greenery around you. And remember, soothing uh, sounds like this greenery, it's great for our mental health. It's also a well-resourced, I think, facility here in Walk here. We've just had uh, the resurfacing of the car park and the road coming into it as well. Is that, do you think, what draws a lot of people, is that it, it's, it's an area that's well-maintained and well-looked after? Yes, in walking, that's what I think, especially in leisure walking, if you give people what they want. And when I started off, got involved with walking in the, in the 80s, you were tearing through bushes, you'd want uh, uh, to bring out a secretaire's with you. But in fairness to the Irish government, they have got themselves together. The county councils are doing it mo mostly. We also have rural recreation of officers now. There's a big emphasis on that. And when you see, when you, you know, like here, like up in Grange in... Uh, we'll say in northeast Tipperary, Portumna Wood as well as that. When you give people what they want, they'll turn up in spades. And I say, you're local here. It's very rare you come into this car park and there isn't someone here. Yeah, very rare. OK, let's make our way on. Now, John, we approach the beautiful Mountain Lodge and it's great to see it like a phoenix from the ashes almost because for many years it just went, fell into disrepair and was kind of neglected and a bit sorry looking for itself. But I think the great work of the conservation group, who we'll be speaking to later, um, they put a lot of work and a lot of effort into bringing it back as kind of an event centre now. But tell me the history of it. Yeah, well, as far as I know, this was built. Of course, all this land here was owned by the um, uh, Viscount Lismore. And this was built as a hunting lodge by the Viscounts. And uh, so, was, and that was the interesting thing. You know, you, they're all forested now, but you know, down your way as well, there was um, Galtic Castle as well as that. So there was actually a lot happening over here on, the, on this. So I understand then that what happened was the uh, title of the Viscounts of Lismore. Now you can check this with the local historians, but I think, uh, that was eventually, uh, it was, the, the, the lion died out. And eventually what happened was, I understand, it was inherited by their cousins who were butlers in Kilkenny. Now, so you had Lady Beatrice Paul Carew, who was Beatrice Butler, and Lady Constance Butler as well as that. So the two of those, they in, inherited 
all the lands around here, about a thousand acres, from the Viscounts of Lismore. But then I suppose they had no objective for this, or n nothing to do, because it was originally built as a hunting lodge. I know that Lady Beatrice Paul Carew actually lived in London, so I wasn't much used to them. So they did a great thing of handing it over to Anoiga. And I think the thing, we, Anoiga isn't really very popular, isn't, well, there aren't as many hostels now around the place. But I think if we look back at that, in terms of opening up the Irish countryside, the work that Anoiga did, and if you're talking about the hostels here gave you location. So, for example, if you were somebody in Clonmel and you wanted to go walking, now what we tend to do is we drive out here, do a walk, go back home and drive again. But when you had to cycle or walk, you'd come out here and you'd base yourselves here. And there were hostels all over the country. And it was from there that hill walking began. The mountains were, were opened up. And then people began to come in from abroad and explore the countryside. And I'm sure you have been here as well. Yeah. I remember being here and seeing all the kids. Yeah. yeah, and they're running around the place. They used yeah. to come up from the schools. It was absolutely fantastic. Now, it, it then, what has happened, I think, Onoiga has to a large extent been superseded. What has happened is you know, people can travel in and out day trips, so you don't need these hostels as much. And they were in, on Oiga hostels were in isolated places, and they began to replace by commercial hostels that were mostly in urban centres. But, I mean, I think this is fantastic, and it's wonderful. What I think is that the community care enough to keep this place alive, and they do have events here. Now kind of donning my tourist hat a little bit. I'd love to see, I mean, we're up here today and it's a beautiful place to have, but there's nothing happening. I wonder, you know, is there ever a possibility of getting it back to the stage where it actually, where you actually could, people could stay here again? That kind of thing, particularly with the shortages of accommodation, or as well as that even, as a parking place for walkers who could come up here and maybe, you know, you could have a little, you could have coffee available or something like that. I mean, it's like all over Europe you have these hostels up in the mountains. So I just wonder. So that will be an interesting thing. I know all these things, and it's, you know, can't be done easily. But it will be an interesting question when you're talking to the committee. Yeah. What are the plans here? And will we be able to make it that it's much more, it's, it's more vibrant even than it is? Yeah. So I think it's a wonderful history. I hope it has a great future. Another great aspect of Lengara as well as the Millennium Forest as well, which is really starting to show itself now. It's taken a few years, but it's beautiful now. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing about this stage. I mean, I suppose we were a very poor country, and all we did was we brought, you know, uh, Sitka spruce and Norwegian pine and that into the country, and, you know, these were vast, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, monotonous deserts but what has ha and that was at the expense of our local uh, deciduous trees but now we've copped on and we're replacing it I think the Millennium Project was a wonderful thing now it's a uh, they're much slower growing yeah. that's why you have the Sitka spruce it grows so fast it's commercial but I think we have to look at the broad sense in the sense that the improvement that comes with from people's mental health and that from being out in green spaces I think that's a wonderful uh, project and you know we, ha we have learned from the past and I think we're going the right way now but uh, another thing then we'll be actually talking about I hope when we're down there do you know a uh, Shanbali castle yeah. you heard now that's gone completely and that I once heard it was knocked down now I know the reason why it was knocked down but I once heard it was because it had one more window than Buckingham Palace 
Is that, that right? That was the local legend. <laughs> well, I don't know if, it, if that was the case. It was knocked down in the 1960s, yeah. so it was knocked down by the Irish state. But that's an interesting point because, of course, the architect of it was uh, John Nash, and he built Buckingham Palace. He built, he designed this place because he worked for the Viscounts, um, Lismore, as well as that. So. I understand he was actually blown up eventually, yeah, blown yeah. up by the Irish state in the 1960s. And of course, that was so sad yeah. because we lost, I mean, everybody blames the IRA and the Civil War and that the loss of so many of our great homes. But far more of them were actually knocked down and sold off or blown up by the Irish state. And this was one of the last ones in the 1960s. You'd imagine they had learned a bit more because if I do say so myself, looking at the pictures of it, Still it was right. so much more yeah. beautiful than Buckingham Palace, yeah. which I think, uh, I always think uh, what should happen there with John Ash is he should plant trees in front of it. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> but not in front of Shanbali Castle. Yeah, it's a shame we can't go to see Shambhala Castle, but one castle we can go and see today is Burncourt Castle. I will try and talk about that. I think down here I have more questions and answers, but I'll put a few questions anyway. All right, let's go. John, coming through Burncourt Village then on our way here to Burncourt Castle, but it's great to see. We hear a lot about rural decline, uh, but Burncourt's still able to maintain a shop and two pubs, which for small villages is a good sign in these days. Yeah, it's, it, it's uh, and you know, it's a, a village that I'd say before this I've been through about twice in my life. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a place that, doesn't have any passing trade but it's fantastic I mean that villages can do this and this is what we need to get uh, we you know they have two pubs and you have a shop here and so many other villages you go into now and there's absolutely nothing left there so we'll have to push it to people of yeah. you know they must be supporting local and that's what all the villages should be doing but we've come on here now we're outside Court Castle and I'm looking at it now to me anyway looking at this this is typical of the transition that took place in the 17th century in Ireland. Up to that, all that was ever built were castles, really, or tower houses for important people. And the reason is you are so subject to attack that it was the only safe place to live. Now, the problem is, if you look at those square tower houses that are around the country, people call them castles, they were very uncomfortable, dark places to live. You'd get out of them as soon as you can. And people felt, I think, after the defeat of, of Gaelic Ireland in 1603, that they could breathe a sigh of relief and they could start to build uh, more comfortable houses. And this looks typical of that, because they're not even what they call matriculations. You know the things you throw the boiled oil on the people? They're not even here. So this house was obviously built in the expectations of a relatively peaceful time. Now, I don't know exactly who was, you know, who exactly were the people who were behind this, were they butlers, who are they? But obviously they got it wrong because, I mean, burn court, so that's an English word, but it tells us, and I presume it's the burning of this castle. I understand this castle was burned in the Cromwellian times, and that's an interesting question, but was Cromwell here? Who burned it? He certainly devastated an awful lot of Munster. This may have happened here, but it'll be interesting, but at the moment anyway, um, you know, it's just a ruin here and hopefully they will uh, consolidate it and preserve it so that it will be kept on for the future. Yeah. And there's one other thing then, and I, we might put here, this is right under us here, it's limestone and it's the right conditions for caves. So of course you have the Mitchellstown show cave and that's fantastic. But I was mad enough one time that I used to do caving mostly down in the Burren. 
And, you know, I don't think you can tell, but maybe the local people can. There's supposed to be another uh, cave here called the Old Desmond Cave. And that has never been developed. But it's apparently a beautiful cave. And I understand in uh, history that it's called the Old Desmond Cave because during the wars, uh, we'll say, during uh, the war, the Tudor Wars in the 16th century, the Earl of uh, Desmond was lo- uh, losing out badly and so he went and hid down there. And I believe it was also used, it may have been, I had a rumour as well, it was used in uh, 19, in the War of Independence as well because, you know, around this area in South Tiberi was pretty much of a hotbed. And secondly, I always think that, even up in Clare, I think they didn't really use the caves much, but it's a huge cave system. Yeah. If they had gone down there, it would have been virtually impossible for the British to root them out, as the Israelis are finding out now once you go underground it is very very hard to root yeah. people out so you know I so I wonder is it just a figment of people's imaginations does it uh, really exist and was it a place of refuge right through history here loads of yeah. this year I have more questions than answers this time and you know what let's go ask those questions because when we come back after the break we're going to be live from the community centre in Burncourt with some of the fantastic local groups and people from the village so join us after the break Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Good morning from Burncourt this morning. The latest stop on our village tour. Everyone say good morning. <laughs> Uh, we're delighted to be here. We've so many great people to talk to. We can't wait to highlight this fantastic village of Burncourt. And of course, I would say that because I'm only just up the road. So where else would I start but with uh, Breda Fitzgerald? Breda, good morning. Good morning, Alison. How it are you? It still feels very strange calling you Breda because I have to, I'm sure a lot of people around yeah, know, but you, you had the, the poor misfortune of teaching me history and English in yes. secondary school. I was, was I all right? Yes, that's why, why you are where you are today. <laughs> <laughs> I owe it all to you. Well, tell me, I know in recent years you've been very busy, of course, in the community here, particularly when it comes to the hostel and the the conservation group involved there. As we were saying when me and John G went up to visit there, it's like a phoenix from the ashes compared to what it was a few years ago. There was an awful lot of work went into that, though. Yes, um, there's been a huge conservation project in it. I suppose there's the guts of um, probably about 200,000 has gone into it. An awful lot of it, of course, obviously grant-aided, but there was um, community fundraising as well. And um, as you can see when you were up there, like, I mean, the roof has been replaced. All the windows had to be redone um, because you know that when when Anoiga left it, it was vandalised on two occasions and we took it over as a project in 2015 um, and at present we hold a sublease from Anoiga and they in turn from Quilta um, but we're in the process of ironing all of that out at the moment um, and um, like I mean at the moment it's habitable and it's also I suppose structurally sound which is very important um, we have um, 
we have a lot of progress made in it. Um, as I said, there's been a survey of the existing water system in it. There's a new biocycle system in it. Um, treatment of wet rot in a number of rooms. It's also, um, the electricity has been connected. We have CCTV coverage in it and um, fencing in it. So there is some work to be done. Um, obviously the toilet block has to be replaced and given that it's a heritage building that has to be done per heritage guidelines yeah. so that's going to cost major money as well and we would love to install a kind of a suitable kitchen there um, obviously there's another bit of um, uh, interior work to be done and also the groundworks as well. But it's great to see it being used as an event space I'm sure a lot of people would remember that it was used as a hostel you certainly remember that John G. I remember kids going to the, the you know, young children their laughter around the place it was absolutely wonderful so I wonder can we ever return to that in the future you know uh, there's a lot of activity now in the galleries a lot of people going there I just wonder could you could it be possible to have a hostel again and maybe facility where people could drive up there maybe have a cup of coffee maybe something like that and enjoy a wonderful place I know it's not easy but yeah. I, I, yeah. Plan. yeah I agree with you totally John um, that once we get the um, once we get our lease arrangement sorted we hope to develop a business plan and that would indeed inc would incorporate some sort of um, coffee room or tea rooms or something like that that may be even open maybe at weekends or something like that and also at the moment it has been used in a number of occasions for um, retreats it's yeah. been number for yoga workshops we've had two sessions two summers of Souvenirs and the Quilta there and um, they've we, been hugely popular haven't yeah, they? yeah they were very very popular because they combine both wellness and nature yeah. and art as well and where better uh, place to do it? Yes, yeah, it is very popular actually. Um, we have used, we had a group last year, the Sweet Birds, and we will, um, we have had poetry workshops there. We've had writers groups there, and we had the daycare centre were up there last year doing an art workshop, oh. and it was, you know, um, it was really lovely, like to have them there. Yeah. And um, the kids from school have been up there. They also did a number of workshops there. We've had um, Jack O'Rourke there in concert, and um, we hope to facilitate more events like that. And we look forward to talking to you about more of it in the yeah, future and among some of the other great groups that are here Emma Russell is with me. How are you Emma? Good, how are you Hassan? I'm great, thanks for joining us this morning You're going to talk to us about the uh, Burnquart Hospice movement. Tell me how long has that been going on? So we reckon this year is probably the 24th or 25th year of it. I think it started maybe 99, 2000. We can't kind of quite put our finger on yeah. when the first year of it was. And it's an event that runs every year. I think everyone from around the community would be well aware of the great work that's done. Have you any idea how much you've raised so far? Well, this year um, we have 15,500. That's between the hospice auction, we had the New Year's Day walk, the raffle donated by the Tobin family, and we had the 45 card drive. Yeah. Um, that's all kind of done in December, so to raise 15,500 in one couple of days is amazing it's in a small incredible. village yeah you know it's and the support for that has always been huge always yeah there's always massive support the auction night is always a great night we get loads of donations in always has been um the new year's day walk has become a popular event it's yeah. just lovely to get out yeah. on new year's day and you know meet everyone after the christmas and all that and what are the plans for the new year then is it kind of similar to the events that held last year i mean that they're steady ones so we'll just yeah. keep them going yeah so it's every christmas kind of we kick off with them and the money raised then goes to south to Pospis. Um, we 
presented a cheque for 14,000 to them last year. This year we were able to present 1,200 to the V Valley Daycare Centre. They bought new yeah. chairs down there and also to the hospice rooms in Clohane last year. They got new garden furniture with the money we raised. That's fantastic. Yeah. I know it's something that's very close to your heart as mm-hmm. well because your dad was heavily involved in setting it up, wasn't he, PJ? Yeah. So I think, yeah, himself and Tom O'Brien probably set it up back in the day. They brought it up to Barncourt, the auction night. That ran for a number of years. Tom was the auctioneer at that. Yeah. So it was always a great event in the village. Anyone who maybe wants to donate or get in contact with you, is there a way of doing that? Yeah, so Barncourt Hospice Movement, they can contact any one of the committee members. There's myself, Siobhan, Ty. There's a, there's a number of us involved in it. Um, so the donations are always... You know, great. We're always grateful for them. Absolutely. Well done on all your work to date. Well done, Abby. Give Emma a bowl of us there. Well done. Now, every small community, of course, the engine of it is their community council. And Siobhan Hurley is here from the community council. Morning, Siobhan. Good morning, Alison. How are you're, you? You're just bursting with information for me this morning. I know you are. And we're going to start with the hall because, you know, we're here this morning. And with many other small communities, it's the heart of every community, isn't it? Oh, completely. This is our central hub. So much goes on here all the time. We have weekly events from the cards. We've recently had drama production. We have youth from the school. We have so many groups that use it all the time. So it's our central hub. We need to keep it right. And all those groups supporting us and supporting the hall allow us to do that. Yeah. Do you know, so it is great. It's a fantastic base for everybody in the community. And tell me about the plans for the next few months because they're kicking off in just the next couple of weeks. Oh, they are. We've big excitement. Fantastic new project. We were delighted. We got huge support from Pubble. Great grant aid to put a new, we call it an extension to the hall. It's an extension to the area of the hall. We have a huge area out the back that is nearly the same size as the hall and we're putting a new building in there that will allow us to contain overflow, do independent events. It'll be a secure area that's secure to both sides of the hall. So, as I said, at least it'll pre-booked events. But it allows, when we're having our big breakfast or any of our events, yeah. it's an o- overflow area. Also, for any of our groups in the, that want to use it for yoga, chair yoga in the nice weather, mm. it'll be fantastic. So it'll allow us to double the capacity. Yeah. So when any event is going on here, we can fit everyone. We hate to leave anybody out. Tell me about the big breakfast, because I think a, a few of your neighbours, we might be guilty of copying <laughs> you sometimes, because that has been a huge success. Isn't that the best compliment, yeah. that someone would copy you? And it really worked. I mean, the first few big breakfasts here, it was a real learning curve. We've it down to a fine art now, so it's yeah. great. And people use it again as a social outlet. People that wouldn't say go to other events, they'll come here for their breakfast, they get a great feed for very little money, but they have that social occasion that is absolutely yeah. fantastic. So it's a fantastic uh, event and we try and do one maybe once a year now and we're always trying to step it up a bit, do a little bit yeah. extra all the time. Tell me about the Pumpkin Festival as well because that's one that draws people from all over the country. Oh absolutely, we've had bus tours coming here to see our, all our, our, our pumpkins and our scarecrows and it's fantastic because it really has grown every year and I'm saying tell everyone to watch the space next year because we always have something new in the year and it's great a lot of planning goes into it a lot of work from the hard working committee so it is fantastic the community council itself is a core group but we have lots of extra volunteers that come on board for different events and they keep us going because you couldn't do it all in the core group of seven or eight people that are on the committee so it's absolutely fantastic this year now we had a great lantern workshop which just blew the roof. We had it recorded and everything. We have videos up online uh, that were done. Um, it was uh, So you could see all the reaction to all the kids making wow. all lovely lanterns. And they had a big parade through the town with drums accompanying them. So it's fantastic. And it's great to have that excitement in a small yeah. village. 
So it's going to be another busy year then for the Community Council oh, it here? Is. Here at the Community Council and we've some great businesses in the town without their support. We have Maureen's, she's here herself this morning, Ryan's Bar, Bertlow's Bar, Pine Nurseries, core businesses that yeah. are in the village that will actually, they always support us but we like to support them. But as a particularly Maureen, she's our, she's our central point. If anybody needs to know what's going on and they don't have Facebook, Maureen will tell you what's happening, you know. <laughs> so it is a great, it's a great community. I'm so privileged to be on this committee and it's fantastic altogether. Great, Siobhan. I wish you all the best with it. Thanks for talking to us. Now, she mentioned the kids there as well, and we're going to talk to some of the kids now from Burkhardt National School as well. But Sarah Walsh, first of all. Sarah, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Alison. Thank you. Tell me about Burkhardt School. How many pupils are there? We have 92 pupils in the school That's now. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's it's fantastic. excellent, yeah. Tell me about some of the facilities then that you have there as well. Okay, so we've, um, we opened our extension in 2022. We have an additional three new large classrooms and we also fundraise with the help of the community and a sports capital grant and we opened an Astro facility so, for the children and it's also available to the wider community yeah. in the afternoon. So there's clean uniforms going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's been hugely popular, the Astro. I know a lot of communities around have been using that. It has it's made yeah. a huge difference. You know, the children can play sports throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk to some of the kids now. What's your own name? Tegan. Tegan, what class are you in? Sixth. Sixth. And you, what's your name? Holly. Holly, what class are you in? Sixth. What's your favourite um, subject to do in school? Art. Now. She's watching you. <laughs> Art. Is it? What's your favourite? Probably PE. PE. And what's your name? Kiron. Kiron. And your name? Connor. Connor. Connor and Kiron. I presume you play for Father Sheehy's, do we? Yeah, we do, yeah. What age group are you playing in? Under 13. Well, how's it going? Good. Are we back started? Yeah. Excellent. We'll be on to you so this year, won't we? I'd say we'll have a game with you. What's your favourite subject? Uh, P. P.E. And you? P. P as well. So I know we were always very jealous of your little vegetable garden below. I know it's a wildflower patch now, but do you enjoy doing those kind of outdoor things down the school? Uh, yeah, it's fun get to go outside and away from work. Yeah, that's the main thing, isn't it? To get away from the schoolwork. Uh, what's your favourite thing? Do you enjoy doing the, the garden patch then as well? Uh, yeah, it's good. Excellent. Well done. And do you? Yeah. Yeah, well done. What's the best thing about Burncourt, do you think, to grow up in Burncourt? What do you like the most about it? Um, Maureen's. Father Sheehy's. <laughs> <laughs> Maureen's. Who said Maureen's? Is that because she's sitting beside you? <laughs> Maureen, I might get a quick chat with you if you don't mind, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Alison. Good to see you, Maureen. Tell me, how long have you had the shop here in the village? Oh, I can't, could not tell you. We had, um, my grandfather had a creamery first and that was burned down and then they built up uh, Burncourt stores over alongside the castle. Yeah. And then eventually the population dwindled there so they moved to the village and they started off where I live now. It's a long time. And like you're, you're a constant here in Burncourt as well. Anytime anyone would say, should drop it into Maureen's, Maureen will know that. I mean, you're such a vital part of the community. Do, do you appreciate how important you are in the community, I wonder? I suppose you know that you are because, like, there's no place else. Yeah. You know, it's the hope they come in. And if there's anybody, like, missing that used to come in all the time, you'll know and you yeah. let them know. If somebody dies, we put up the notice and they know, you yeah. know, other than that, they may not, you know. Yeah. And, well, it's central for everything like that. More community than... Uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Because unfortunately, we're seeing that a lot of businesses in rural communities are under pressure. I'm yeah. sure you can sympathise with a lot of those businesses. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're there, but you're just kind of... You're not that busy as such, yeah. you know, but like I suppose we kept going anyway. Excellent. Well done to you. And many more years of success to you. Give Maureen a hand there as well. And now we're going
able to maybe break with tradition a little bit. Maureen's back to the shop. She's busy. Thanks, Maureen. Um, sure, we couldn't come here and not speak to the gardeners. Bobby Gardner, how are you doing? I would. Thank you very much uh, uh, for coming down to visit us here. It's a pleasure. Listen, I could probably give an hour alone to you by yourself. But, uh, tell me, I know you've been busy. You've had a lot of um, concerts and gigs and stuff up in Brews, or Brian Brews as well. Brew Brews, sorry, and a friend is cringing at me while he's listening. How has that been going? Is it continue to be busy in terms of, of music and, and shows for you? Well, it has, I suppose... Uh, uh, since the COVID, we've only been doing, I think, three nights a week. Yeah. So, uh, starting, I think, on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know, so it's it, it has gone well, but three nights we've had pretty good crowds. That's great. Yeah, yeah. There's no dampening of that then? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think it's better than five nights at the present time anyway. Yeah. You know, because we used to do five nights. And Linda's here with you, of course. Linda would always be a constant. How are you, Linda? Hi, Alison. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you again. And you're a very busy lady because I'll be watching you on social media. You have the colour coding kind of um, business set up and then you're teaching music yes, then as well. Right. There's no stopping you. <laughs> Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I love what I'm doing. I teach music um, a few days in the afternoon and I have a colour and style studio for anyone who'd like to know what colours suit them. So Give it a plug there. Where's, what's the Facebook page? It's uh, lindastylestudio.com and I'm on Facebook and Instagram and trying to get onto TikTok, but my daughter is, has to do that for me. I don't know how to do it. Oh, join the club. I haven't a clue. But be, what it is, it's, it's finding the colours that yes. suit you. Yes. Yeah, depending. Yes, depending yeah. on your hair color, your eye color, your your the undertone in your skin. So it's kind of a, a bit of a formula, and we mm. use about 150 colors, and we go through them all, and then you come out with a season and a palette. So you That's can go fantastic. shopping with your little palette and your handbag, and it saves you time and money. Yeah, we'd love to bring you in maybe to talk about that and, and broaden it out a little bit more. But we might go to some music. Tom is there as well, so I might count you down, and we might head into an L song if that's okay. So in three, two, one.
done. Excellent, as always, from the gardeners. And we're going to go to Margaret now for the Flower and Garden Group. Morning, Margaret. Yeah. You're morning. dreading me, aren't you? Yeah, good morning. Oh, don't worry, I won't frighten you. Don't worry. Tell me about the... How long have you been involved in the Flower Group and the Gardening Group? Our Flower Club, Glengarry Flower and Garden Club, was set up in 2020. Actually, the night after that we had our first event here. The, the night after you set up? The night after. Wow. Our, our, the country was shut down. No pressure then? No pressure. <laughs> very how did that go? It was actually just fine. We just got yeah. on with it. But I suppose we were one of the lucky ones that we were able to visit gardens when we were able to visit people, uh, you know, visit yeah. people on the out, uh, outside. So it was, you know, we got on with our jobs. Anyway. And uh, as I said, we started in 2020. We had, our uh, motto is Friendship Through Flowers. We, at presently, we have over 60 members. That's brilliant. Huge, absolutely huge for this area. Um, within the past 12 months, we have floral demonstration, flower arranging classes. We have classes on gardening, um, health and well-being. We did an Indian cookie demonstration two weeks ago. And just last Saturday, we had a St. Bridges process making, which by Michael Fortune, the well-known Michael Fortune yeah. from Wexford. Uh, it's lovely. And uh, we meet on the first Thursday of each month. Uh, at 7.30 here in this hall. We take a break for June and July. And um, I suppose we've a mixed lot of members. Some of our members like the flower arranging, some people like the gardening, mm. and some people just like the social aspect of what we're doing. Of course, they love the cup of tea and the yeah. chat, which is very important. Um, we, our AGM is coming up on the 8th of February, and we have a guest speaker that night, Eve McGillicuddy from... Um, oh, yeah. um, the Galti Honey, Galti um, Honey Farm, yeah. just up the road from here, and she will speak to us on bees and biodiversity. And then we have a big calendar of events from March, April, and May. June we have our annual outing to uh, our annual uh, gardening outing, and then we close down for July and August, and mm -hmm. back again in September. Our, our, our year starts in September. Um, but if anyone wants to contact us, we're on Facebook, Glengarry Flower and Garden Club and we're open to new members at any time. Margaret, you did a great job. Give Margaret a bull of bus there. I know you were dreading it. You did fantastic. Well done, Margaret. We wish you all the best with it. Uh, now we're going to go to a familiar old name now. It's Liam Fleming. Uh, you might know Liam Fleming, of course, and the very well-known Shul Ella, isn't it? I was calling it Sewell Ella all morning. <laughs> Liam, how is that going? I mean, that has been hugely successful, isn't it? Yeah, it has. I mean, we started back in 2016, I think, it was when we did the first programme. Um, you know, and I suppose one of the very early programmes is actually we did a couch to mountaintop. Um, so basically between, we'd, we had four walks a week for 12 weeks, basically starting people walking around the local J field and gradually building them up. Because um, even though we're situated here between the, the Galtys on one side of us and the Knockman Downs on the yeah. other side, very few people actually had ventured up into the hills, like, you know, so... Um, you, you tend to favour one over the other, I think, do you? Well, no, we're, I suppose we're... Well, equi distance came between right. both of them. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, yesterday morning, if you were here, I mean, the Galtys were looking stunning. Amazing. Like, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the snow-capped mountains with the sun down on top of them. Like, you know, to just even just looking up at them would, yeah. would fill you up. Like, you know, so. But yeah, we've we done all the walks. I suppose that that programme, that initial programme was talking about, we had um, 48 different walks on it, and they were different walks, like different places every time, because there's actually so many walks in the locality. It's, it's unreal. There's still. I think overall there's like something like 100 different walks in, in the mm -hmm. area. Like obviously they're not marked walks, but just through local knowledge, like all, yeah. all these walks have been discovered. And that's 
what it was about really, I suppose, it was showing people what's in the area and then the other side of them was actually the social connection to people, the local people were coming out because I suppose we live in the information age nowadays, everybody's everything yeah. on, on the phone and we know what's happening all around the world but we probably don't know what's happening two kilometres down the yeah. road and that's what people really um, latched on to I think was that social connection from it and that's what keeps it going from strength to strength mm. you know. Because so. we are truly blessed with great walks around here and it's great to see them celebrated particularly with the Rhododendron Walking Festival as well. That's it I mean like the, it's, 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 I think it's become the, the walkers highlight of the yeah. year now of the Rhododendron Walking Festival um, started that back in I think it was 2018 if memory serves me correctly um, but it just each year just gets bigger and bigger and like I said they come from all over the country outside the country now like and um, yeah I think it's just a, it's the like Siobhan was saying with, 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 with um, their big breakfast like you know they add on a bit every year like the same with the Rhododendron walking festival the attention to detail of it like is um, you know it's, it's, I think what the the walkers are amazed with they come back it's not just the walk itself and obviously the stunning location but then it's the the welcome they get and the, yeah. the whole the whole atmosphere around it and that's what you know, the June Bank holiday weekend this was we better get the plug in there for that. To, Absolutely. You know, so. What are the big plans for that then this year? Well, I'll tell you after tonight. What's well, the secret? <laughs> we have our first meeting on it tonight, so that'd um, be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know, but yeah, they, they do they, they book out fest and that's, yeah. you know each each year like um, once we announce the open dates like the the walks they book out fest. You know, they've all said it on the winter solstice and. A few weeks back, they had um, a Nolignaman walk again, yeah. hugely successful, which was um, in aid of Kunsayer there. Like you know, so all these walks there, it's it's yeah. really becoming a, a, a walker's um, destination Absolutely. now. Absolutely. So keep the eyes peeled, so for the rhododendron. The rhododendron walking festival. Great, Festing. Liam. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Uh, we're going to keep in the active mindset now, and Brendan is here from uh, Burncourt Celtic Soccer Club. Uh, Brendan, good morning. More Nelson. Tell me about the club. I mean, it's it's a really huge club, and like everything else in other groups here, continues to grow every year. Yes, um, we're just 25 years old, just gone uh, last year, so um, we're based up in Ballyharrow up here. We a new project with a pitch we put in there. It's nearly five years ago now, so time doesn't be long going. But um, yeah, we have a team in the TSDL, a, a junior team. And then we have a school by section of the club called Shamble United. So we have about 130 kids playing That's in fantastic. that. fantastic. Yeah, from under sevens up to youth and then there's the junior team. So there's loads of kids using the facility. Um, you know, we've had a couple of kids go on and play at county level as well. But it's I think I see some of the other groups touching as well. It's, it's a social thing, yeah. whether it's the people are involved, mm -hmm. let's say the parents or the... The, the management of the teens, but the kids themselves, you know, is being active, but it's also mixing and soccer is maybe slight bit different to other sports as in the fact it's not parish based. So we would be pulling from uh, Skinnerinka, Balaprine, Clahine, Burncourt, Balubi. So you have the whole south tip of South Tipperary yeah. playing soccer and you'll get kids that probably would play against each other in jail, let's say, and know each other well. Um, they come together to play soccer, like so. There's a yeah. there's a nice balance here, and it broadens the social aspect for them, for Absolutely. those kids, like so. You know, that's 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 a great thing to have. Um, as far as the club's concerned, events coming up is we have a 25 year anniversary social on in Kilcorn Lodge here at the end of the month of February, 24th of February. So tickets are available there. Uh, as we said earlier on, the, the main crossroads of Burncourt, Maureen's, they're available there, they're available for committee members and they're on Eventbrite as well. It'll be on our Facebook page as well. Um, but yeah, look, we're blessed to be part of this community. I first came back here at the start and when the club started in 98, and I'm a few miles back the road, let's say, but this community here between the shop 
between the school, the community council here being a great supporter of the club yeah. for us, and anything we want here, we're always supported. Or any events we we need, they support us as well. But like, there's loads of um, it's a real community. Uh, it's uh, there's a great spirit here, like yeah. you know. And if you're doing something, people are going behind you because you do it for them as well. So no, it's great. It's great, like you know, it's great to see it acknowledged there today. And thanks for coming up and telling us no about it today, Brendan. Uh, good, Brendan and Bula Bus. Now we're going to to talk about drama. I'm coming to you, Willie. I'm coming to you. Uh, now, I know you just had a show kind of in the last... I think you've only kind of finished up the last few weeks, really. That was hugely successful, wasn't it? It was very, very successful. Yeah. Uh, two sell-out nights, like, right on the 12th and 13th. And uh, we did uh, we had two comedies, one at the beginning, just to liven up the audience, and then we did a serious one in the middle. Um, <clears throat> and that w money we raised from that one was for uh, Coon Sayer, yeah. the women's refuge in Clonmel. And we, we had a... Great uh, response to that. It was yeah. absolutely fantastic. And then we finished off with a nice comedy then. Yeah. Do what I love about your drama group is you'd see pictures and I think, God, I'd never think now they'd go after drama. But that's what I love about it. It's real encompassing of everyone in the community, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we're very much a diverse group, like from yeah. 30 to mid-70s. And all walks of life. That was you, Shawnee, mid-70s, was it? <laughs> <laughs> and so what are the plans then for this year? Um, we hope to get started back in maybe the next six or eight weeks. Yeah. Start uh, rehearsing again. Uh, Do you find that part of it really exciting when you're kind of facing into a new one again? Or is it a bit nerve-wracking? Uh, yes and no. I, I look yeah. for it. I lo love the drama. It's, it's good, yeah. good fun. Like, it, it takes you out of your own comfort zone. Like, yeah. I think brave to stand up on the stage absolutely be someone else yeah, yeah. but there's a, a nice beauty in that too a bit of escapism sometimes it's nice are you always looking for new members or oh always looking yeah. for new members yeah 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 of all ages yeah we don't discriminate <laughs> you don't have to have any experience or anything no absolutely yeah. not no no no, yeah. no no anyone then who's looking for information how can they get that um through the community council so a brief journalist von hurley Perfect. Willie, thanks so much for telling us. And break a leg for the year ahead. Thanks so much. Um, I'm heading to the poor old McGillicuddy's now. have been waiting for me for a while. And Shani Crotty will be coming to us before we end the show. If you haven't heard of Shani Crotty, strap yourselves in, because we'll be going to him now in a minute. But before we do, Michael and Aoife McGillicuddy, lovely to see you both. How are you doing? Hi, Alison. How are you? I'm great. Michael, how are you? Oh, it is very good, Alison. Michael McGillicuddy, son of them. Oh, no, you're going to make me feel really bad now about my Irish Michael. <laughs> but I was, a lot of people would know you as well, of course, from the Gelty Honey Farm as well. Um, Aoife, I know I headed out. I couldn't believe. What was it, 2013 I headed out there? Yeah, 2013 you were, you were out there with us. My yeah, yeah. It didn't seem like that long ago. Yeah, it's only like yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was all of, of your work for years, Michael, and your work towards um, saving the Irish honeybee as well. And that work continues. Yes, well, uh, I suppose Burncourt has a great connection with the native Irish honeybees. You probably noticed our signs outside there for the conservation yeah. area, uh, you know, for the native Irish honeybee. And uh, uh, it all started here in Burncourt, you know, and uh, Burncourt is famous for that particularly, uh, but also for the beer, the bees, of course. But uh, uh, And this uh, day is very significant because... Uh, uh, on this day, 33 years ago, was founded uh, the Galtee Bee Breeding Group up in Glengarrow Wood. 
by four beekeepers from the Galti V Valley. And this, uh, we, sta we started off uh, there to improve our local honeybees that were getting hybridized and mongrelized with, uh, with drones from imported bees yeah. which were coming in of Italian, uh, Itali Italian variety. And uh, so uh, that uh, lasted for about 20 years anyway. The first 20 years we developed uh, methods and, and, and uh, technology like kind of for Im uh, improving our bees and all that. It took an awful lot of work and uh, it was mainly done by uh, uh, Redmond Willems from over the road here in Tincurry and myself. And uh, you know we had to learn an awful lot about uh, about bee improvement and uh, and, yeah. and selection and uh, and it continues. That. But it's great to see people finally starting to appreciate the honeybee. Or do you think maybe we're still a bit off from that? Oh yes, uh, yeah. The the people nowadays, uh, you know, they realise the value of the honeybee, like kind of because, uh, you know, it's not just for pro uh, for giving people stings or for uh, producing honey. It's for pollinating, yeah. pollinating all the wildflowers and uh, of the field and the forest, and as well as uh, agricultural crops and uh, and uh, horticultural crops and all that, you know. Yeah. And uh, so they're beginning to appreciate it, and they're beginning to appreciate uh, the value of our native Irish honeybee, which is most suitable for our climate, uh, you know, our damp oceanic, uh, cool uh, climate that we have here in Ireland, compared with the Mediterranean climate where the Italian bees come from, but uh, uh, we're very much, there's a bill going through the door at the moment to try and, uh, and stop imports of foreign bees, uh, you know, which can cause all the damage. Yeah. By, and hopefully by we might get there. I'll have to leave it there, Michael, but we might get into that a little more on the show. We'd love to have you on just to, to go into that a bit more. Speaking of bees, Sarah Whelan, good morning. Good morning. Good to talk to you. Tell me about Busy Bees. So we offer a morning service for preschool 9 to 12 and an afternoon service for one hour in the afternoons, yeah. For an hour. Here in Burncourt? We're in Burncourt in the school, yeah, in a classroom. That's fantastic. How many kids do you have at the moment? We have 22 kids. That's brilliant. Yeah, and we're fully booked for next year and we have a good few applications for 2026. Because it's not just from the village. I mean, you're, you're, you're feeding in from the wider area. Then yeah, our surrounding areas. There's such a demand here for preschool and childcare. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a high demand. It's a big issue, I think, in rural communities as well, the issue of childcare, isn't it? Absolutely. And fresh access. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially like there's no nowhere out here since Kathleen closed. And then we were just lucky that Busy Bees then opened in the school. Yeah. Um, other than that, we'd have nothing, so we'd have we'd have to travel. Yeah, well done. And you, so you haven't been up and running for that long, but I mean, it's flying. Yeah, we're opened a year and a half, and like I say, we're fully booked. Yeah, yeah. yeah well done. Brilliant. Thanks so Thank much. You. I might come out and get into that a bit more with you another day. Um, Shani Crotty, what are you doing here? Hello, and you a skiing man. I know I am, but you're, you're always like to help the weak, <laughs> to help the weaker pouches. <laughs> Do you hear that? Shani, tell me no, about the Burn Court song. I'm in my late 70s, you must be drawn to full concert recipients. Sure, I knew that it grig you, so that's why I said it. Yeah, well, pop, sure, aren't we cousins, I think? We are cousins, I think, absolutely, aren't we? and I'm proud of them. Uh, me too, Shani. You are going to sing us out this morning. Tell us about this song. I'd, I'd sing you a song. The name of the song is Burn Court. You wrote it yourself. No, well, well, with, I, I, with I, was, help. I was involved in it, yeah. but um, Johnny Mulkey here down the lane here wrote it, and... I swap bits here and there and I put an air to it and this is how it goes. Okay, off you go. There's a village in Tipperary 
Nestling in the valley green, overshadowed by the Galtees and now down serene is the beautiful court daughter home to farming game and sport its ancient name was Shambhala now known as Court. no matter where I wander no matter and uh, there we leave our trip uh, to lovely Birdcourt uh, there and Sean in full voice uh, there and thanks to everybody who uh, made up that wonderful programme alright we're going to head towards news and uh, back with that in just a moment Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage Pecan. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, Call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on, on 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Gormina Mahagopat, and you're very welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number if you want to speak to uh, Leanne, who is producing uh, today. You can uh, text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. Now, there are over 64,000 people living with dementia in Ireland, with this number set to increase, and more and more of us will be affected by dementia in our lifetime. And uh, Dementia Understand Together and the HSE want to help to create an Ireland that I suppose embraces and includes people living with dementia and displays solidarity with them, their families and their supporters. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio now this morning by Marguerite Keating from the Irish Dementia Working Group. Marguerite, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And it's lovely to see you. Another casual person in the studio yeah. today. Yeah, <laughs> not and, like it. And uh, t- uh, thank you so much for coming into us. Will you tell me a bit about you? Because I know you were working with adults with physical and intellectual disabilities for about 20 years or so, Margaret. That's right. What happened then? Um, well, I was working away and um, just kind of crept up on me that people that were working with me would say, "And you know, you had that appointment or the lads were supposed to do this and, Margaret, you've forgotten this and um, not being able to do things on the computer like, I never graded it, but I really got confused with it. Um, I might have, they might have a hairdresser's appointment and I could bring them to the dentist, you know. And it was getting more and more prevalent. So somebody, so they said it to me and um, asked me would I, you know, go and see about it. And so I did this nearly six years ago. And can I ask you what age you were at that point, Margaret? Um, I was 55. Right, so you were very young. Yeah. Very young for that. Okay. It was shocking yeah. to get that. Did you notice that you were being forgetful? No, I got a little bit paranoid, I suppose, thinking yeah. that people were saying that they did this and they said that and in my head they didn't. So I was getting a little bit... You know, are they ganging up on me? Yeah. <laughs> really silly things. But I, I, you know, 
I suppose it's like anything. You think you're the last to kind of, you know, admit it or accept it. Mm. And to, for me, it's all about acceptance. Once I accepted it and took it on full, it hasn't been very much of a problem because yes. I'm allowing myself to be forgetful. I'm allowing myself not to know a person. I'm allowing myself... And that's taken the pressure off me. So you're not beating yourself up about yeah. that. Will you tell me about... Uh, OK, you were encouraged to go and see somebody. Who who did you go to see? Well, first of all, I went to um, have a brain scan and I had a lumbar puncture. Um, that's the procedure. They take the fluid out of the back and they can tell whether you have Alzheimer's or not. I really expected it to come back negative. <laughs> so it was an awful shock. And I was diagnosed five years ago now on the 14th of February. It's Valentine's Day, I always say. No flowers. And um, oh, I was in a terrible state. And how, how were you told that, Margaret? Um... Well, what I was told when I was diagnosed was to to stop driving, to give up working and to get my affairs in order. Get your affairs in order? Yeah. Wow. So that's probably why I'm so high-spirited about anything Alzheimer's because I don't want the marguerites coming behind me to have that prognosis because the one thing about Alzheimer's or any kind of Lewy body, front lobe, any kind of dementia is they are all so different. It's really individualised. And what was... Were you diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's. vascular... It was Alzheimer's, OK. Early onset Alzheimer's. And at the very beginning, when you heard that, OK, you, yeah. you have Alzheimer's, what were you thinking then? I was thinking the river is probably the best place oh to go God. now oh because I had a 15-year-old. And how do you put that on a 15-year-old? And then I had another daughter with six children. And I have another daughter who lives up in Donegal. Yeah. You know, was I going to go... She wanted me to live with her. My other daughter, Rebecca, who's six children, wanted me to live with her. Yeah. And my poor 15-year-old, blonde, wanted to run away. Oh. You know, it was just... It's just so much on the family. Yes, you know? but but you were pretty desperate mentally. Yourself. I was very, 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 very low, you know. And I'm a very high temp top, you know. I'm always in good form, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. But um, like I probably I'll go and go and go, and then um, if I'm upset about something, I have a big cry, and then I'm over it. <laughs> you know, and that's it. But with that, I just I actually didn't want to be a burden. And I didn't want to, you know, have my family watch me because the prognosis of, of any kind of dementia is grey. Very Of course, grey. yes. And, and when I you... didn't want that for my family. And that's why I fight tooth and nail, especially locally, to get everything for people. Because if you... A lot of people are in denial. But if you're in denial and you're... Or you're fighting it or you're down about it. I met a lady the other day down in Cork and she said, did you go on um, antidepressants? And I said, no. And she said, oh, I've been on antidepressants since I got diagnosed. And, you know, that's the other thing that happens to people because it, it's just so big and overwhelming and life-changing that you don't know what to do. 
Did anybody speak to you about a time scale about how things might deteriorate or the like? Yeah, yeah. they did about seven years at first. We're on five years now, and right. I'm doing really well. So they okay. said about seven years that yeah. it would... would how yeah. did you manage? I mean, you, you you speak about how desperate you were at the time. You considered the river for you know would sound so awful. How did you manage to pick yourself up and decide I'm going to fight this like hell? I said, "Fake this." <laughs> well, you didn't say "fake." I'm sure I did not. <laughs> I know the little redhead and me turned around and said, "Oh, I'm not having this." There's yes. other things in my life that were grave, and this is not getting me. Yeah. So I picked up every, I picked up the phone and I picked up every number that I had been given, you know, when there was questioning Alzheimer's. I said I was in such shock. And I rang, I rang the ASI, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, yeah. and I spoke to them on the health helpline. And I always call it the hotline. <laughs> and they rang me back three times that day, you know, which is amazing. And, um, the following day, we only had something like 13 uh, dementia advisors all over Ireland at that time, five years ago. Now we've, I think we're 49 now. And um, the lady at the time, Amy Murphy, was coming up from Cork, you know, and she came up the very next day and she sat with me for two hours and she talked all about strategies, what I can do reminders, notes, whiteboards, getting my things in order, putting my clothes out before I go to bed if I have something on the next day so I'm not in a tizzy in the morning and things that ordinary people probably should be doing but, you know, yeah, like yeah. having all the stuff because things that would come naturally to other people to think next thing doesn't come to me. There's a like a stop and I go, 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 go. If I'm up at 7 o'clock in the morning and I have things on, by 1 o'clock I'm done. I, I just don't have... My brain kind of is gone. Yes, you're I, exhausted, I exhausted. presume. Yeah. My, my whole brain, since I was diagnosed, it's like my brain goes so far and then it just shuts off. And then I get confused or I can, you know do sort of things. People say to me all the time, you don't look like you've Alzheimer's or you don't come across as Alzheimer's. And my daughter says, no, until you hear her phone ringing in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, since since you came into the studio this morning, I, I mean, if I didn't know, I no. wouldn't know, no. Marguerite. And I'm sure people tell you that yeah. uh, all of the time. When you when you do get exhausted, when your brain gets exhausted, yeah. is that very frustrating for you? And is that depressing at that point, Marguerite? No, because I accept it. Right. Now, it was for a long time, but I I said, look, this is how it goes. Now you need to lie down, go to sleep for a little while, so I might have two hours sleep in yeah. the day. We yeah. call it the nana nap at home. <laughs> so do that, have a little sleep, and then I'm as right as rain. You see, my words start to slow and slur, and I get, you know... Because when I was diagnosed first, my speech was slower and lots of things weren't right. But since I've got, you know, on things, I'm a big advocate of um, all the kind of um, vitamins that you can have. Uh, lion's mane, 
for the memory, which is a mushroom. Yes. And it's in a um, capsule form, doesn't taste anything, and it's a vitamin. And it's really powerful for the brain, for Alzheimer's, even cancers, any kind of things like that for the brain. So you look to alternatives yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, and I make sure I have plenty of vitamin C so that I don't get um, colds because I don't want to go into hospital and then... Because if I change my routine, I could get confused, you know, things yes, like that. Course, so yeah. I try and keep that it, to all keep going. healthy. And you're looking extremely yeah, well. You told you told me you were you're going away to enjoy a wedding or something. Yeah, aren't that's you? right. Yeah, I go yeah. to a wedding down in Clare, and yeah. Barbara and Des I get married on Friday, and I'm going down to my friend, her sister Cora, um, today, yeah. and we're heading to Doolan for a wedding oh, on Friday. Right. So well, the eyelashes and the nails and everything done. Well, good for radio. It all, it all looks great on you anyway. And, uh, I mean, that kind of socialising as well. You continue to socialise yeah. as well, Margaret. Everything yeah. they told me. Socialise, keep in touch with everything. But be very, like, I was saying to my cousin Tina on the way in, some people are told, like I was told, stop driving. And I had to fight my doctor to have the um, test, there is an Alzheimer's, there is a dementia test for driving. And if your doctor tells you you can't do it, that doesn't mean anything. Go and do the test. Don't let anyone, I won't let anyone hold right. me back. You, you obviously passed the Did test. Did you? And I have my, my driving now for three years. Very good. And you still drive? Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? No, I don't drive far. I yes. just drive from... Cashel to Tip, Cashel to Thurless, Cashel to Care, Cashel to Clomel. Right. That's really it. So routes <laughs> that you would know extremely yeah, well. Yeah, just around the area. Well, do you know what I'd love to know, Margaret, is th when, when it was announced, because I guess it was, that you had a, a, a dementia, Alzheimer's in your case, did people treat you differently? Well, I was testing the water at first because I, I, I kind of didn't really believe it. And I remember I met lovely man and woman in care. They used to be my school teachers. We used to call them Ma'am, Pab, Mr and Mrs O'Donnell. And Mrs O'Donnell, very fond of her, because she's from Ballina, where my mother's from, in, in Mayo. Yes. And I met them and I told them. And Mr O'Donnell cried. He got oh, really upset and it really upset me. And I said, oh, I, I don't want you know, to upset anybody. So I was a bit more careful and I was a bit more, you know, if if person needs to know, I'll tell them. But if yes. they don't, I, I mightn't, you know, let, you know, even though I don't hide it anymore because I feel I Well, you're helping people, need to you be see, an Margaret. advocate. Yes, you're helping people by yeah. speaking out about it. Tell me about some of the organisations you got involved with then. Well, I got involved with the ASI, as I said, the Irish yeah. Society of Ireland, and they're a great organisation because they're all across Ireland and there's little pockets, you know, and of um, little groups, like the working group that, that I'm in, and we do things like we fight the government <laughs> <laughs> for things like the blue badge because you, yeah. you don't have a blue badge for disabilities when you have Alzheimer's. Do you not? No. No, it's not considered a disability. Wow. So we've been fighting for some years now to get that. Um, you know, it's like when you have a child with autism, yeah. you wouldn't have a badge. And that's crazy. 
You know, you need a badge. We need certain groups need I, a badge. I didn't realise, but you're, that's nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. You see, if you're not physically um, disabled, that's the, the thing. But um, so if I park my car, if I park my car in Dons and I run off to Pennies. And I come back to Dunn's, I could be convinced the car's in pennies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, so if it's in a disabled um, section, mm. it means I can park easier right outside the shop and I'll see the car when I come out. I won't run off to the other end of town thinking I've moved it or, you know, I'll know exactly where the car is. So that that would really help so many, many people. Will, some of our public representatives listen to us or their team uh, would be listening to us so maybe it's something they bring up in the dial for you because I yeah. didn't realise, I'm sure a lot of people weren't aware yeah. uh, that, that you don't have... And, and I mean, you're not getting it free yourself to pay something for it it's just that we need it to keep us going the yes. more things you can do, more you can keep in contact with people and your peers and get out there um the better it is, the more you can keep going to your golf, keep going to your art class or whatever it is, it, the more you will stay well mm. because you will be, your brain will be active and you will feel better, you know? Yes. And that's why I'm so such an advocate of the Memory Cafe. Yeah, tell us about that because there will be a Memory Cafe in Cashel yeah. very soon. Yeah. <laughs> well done. When is um, that happening? That's happening on the 13th of February, which is uh, the second Tuesday of February, and it will be there ever after that on every second Tuesday. And the girls in the library, Suzanne and Maura and uh, Salome, they're, they're lovely, and they, you know, they will introduce everybody to everyone and live everyone up and we're going to be upstairs. We have music. Ned Lonrigan is going to play that day. Very good. Yeah. And um, so we usually do a bit of music. We have a little talk. Gemma O'Donnell is South Tip's um, uh, dementia advisor mm -hmm. and Gemma is a young, vibrant lady, three small boys, and she um, has... And memory calf started in Knock and Rawley in Tiptown, mm -hmm. and it's it it's gone. It's in its second year now, and it's going so so well. We have one in Knock and Rawley. Alice is up there, and um, no, sorry, Glengool, mm -hmm. the Millennium Centre. Yeah, sure. That is the first Tuesday, and then on the first Wednesday, it's in. The bookworm in Thurlis. Uh -huh. They're all around 11 till half 12 or 1. Ours is um, 11 till 1. And we, you, you'll have a cup of tea and have a chat. And one day we might have somebody coming in about um, different health things or maybe alarms. You know, a lawyer yes. will come in yeah. and talk about alarms that you're. And lots of things that you're probably entitled to, maybe um, a travel pass if you have a diagnosis. But people might know, mm. you know. So there's all that banter. Yesterday I was at a funeral, a lovely man called Johnny King, King by name, King by nature, and he had Alzheimer's. Now he's he fought cancer for 12 years, and his wife said to me. It's this that's getting him. You know, he's fought and fought, but it's this. And they point, point to the head, didn't want to say it, you know. Yeah. And Johnny said to me, 
I get fr so frustrated. He said, I can handle all the treatments, anything, but losing my mind, I can't handle. And I said to him, Johnny, you must give yourself a break and just, you know, allow yourself to forget something and not to worry about it. And his wife, Betty, said to me, it really upsets me, you know, he, he frustrates me, you know, and uh, he asked me something a hundred times or, you know, I'd tell him things and I said, so the next time he says something to you, you say to him, "Geez, Johnny, I thought I told you that. I'm so sorry, I forgot to tell you that. And she said to me yesterday, that made such a difference, you know. Yeah, but you see, coming from you, that was so powerful because, I mean, you're, you're in the exact position to be able to give advice. And what about that advice to those of us? Who, my, my father had vascular dementia oh, and, and right. sa sadly he passed away with it as well. Yeah. But again, we were at odds at times to know yeah. how, how to deal with people That's with right. dementia, Margaret. Well, know? my daughter, I have a fiery daughter, she's 38, Rebecca, <laughs> she's, six, she's six children. Wow. So she has to be. To yeah. <laughs> she said to me, "Mum, you told me that, Mum, Mum, oh, Mum." Here she is, and I said to her, "Rebecca, you're not supposed to say say that to people, with, you know, with dementia <laughs> or Alzheimer's." And she says, "What am I supposed to say? Say you're supposed to say that's lovely." And she goes, "All oh, right." And about <laughs> half an hour later, I don't know what I said, but she turned around to me. And she said to me, "That's lovely." <laughs> So you have you have a you have a sense of humour about it as well. Oh, you Margaret, have to which have. Is, which is yeah, great. I do that or cry. You know? I know, I know. Yeah. Can I ask you? And God knows, I don't want to upset you, but do mm. you do you look to the future, Margaret? No, I mean, no, I don't. You don't. So no. it's it's every day. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, you, I suppose you have to. In the beginning, they'll tell you, like I said, get your affairs in order. But look. The way I have it is I have um, written down certain things that I would like and at the end of the day, I'm not going to care high up or low down. So my thing is that the people around me are okay with it, you know, because I will be then. But it's not then, it's before that. It's That's hard for the other people. But before that, when you know what's going on, it's very, very frustrating. Yes. You know, but I find acceptance. Accept the things you cannot change. Yes. change well, things that's what I'm really taking from this conversation, Margaret, is that you've accepted this yeah. and you accept your memory lapses and yeah. you, you don't fight it. Is that, is no. that, is that I mean, you, you have a war going on in the big picture in terms yeah. of you're not going to let this get you, but, but you allow it to happen to you and you don't beat yourself up. No, and when somebody rings me and they're on a tangent and they're telling me, I have no clue who the person is. I've no clue what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I say, right, I have a pain here now. Just tell me tell me your name there and your this, this, because I have no clue, like. And I put it all down. Because <laughs> I, I meet you out shopping, and if you're not where you're meant to be kind of thing, I, I won't, I might know you. If I know a person years and years, no problem. Right. But if I don't know them long... That, you know, that I won't remember. I remember. I can remember from when I was five, but remembering what what was said five minutes ago. So short, short term me memory kind of evades me. Are, are you? I mean, I I know the answer to this because I see I see how you look. Are Are you happy, Margaret? I'm. A
Yeah, I'm a very happy You're person happy. anyway. Yes. But I was really frustrated in work and I knew that I wasn't doing things right and I knew it was all getting too much for me and you get swamped then, you know, when you're yes. fighting something. So when it was all, you know, I hated leaving work because I loved the lads, but once I did and I accepted, that's how it has to be. Right. And, and, I'm just much before, and just before I leave you go, there could easily be some people listening to us today, Marguerite, yeah. that have recently being diagnosed, like you were, and maybe told to get their affairs in order. Mm. What do you say to them, Margaret? Don't listen to them. Just live every single day as if it's your last. My mother always said, one day you'll be right. <laughs> Just do ev every day what you need to do for that day and, you know, enjoy the day. People live, you know, um, looking forward to... Christmas and Easter and this, and they forget the little days in between. Don't miss those little days. And every grandchild and every person, try and, you know, enjoy every single minute. And the heaviness of it will be will feel lighter. <laughs> That's how I do it anyway. I'm sure, you know, put your breath your best self out and, you know, don't be hard. Do you know, you're a complete <laughs> inspiration to me, Marguerite. I'm, I'm normally whinging when I have a bit of a headache or I'm tired or something. <laughs> and, and then to see you and how you're dealing with your diagnosis and everything, I, th I think you're wonderful. Thank you so much. You're thank very you, welcome. Thank you for coming thank into you. us. And great to have a casual woman and, in the studio. And don't forget, everybody, that there is loads of things out there. We have the library technical library in Clomel. We have all those um, cafes. Ring your ASI, Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, and or ring um, Understand Together. They're, all the lines are out there. Just ask your doctor and you will get all right. those numbers. The, the help is there. Marguerite, yeah. a delight to see you and thank, thank you very you. much and we wish you well for the future. Thank, thank you, you very much indeed. We'll take a break. We're back with more Tip Today in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Well, welcome back to uh, Tip Today. What a response to uh, Marguerite. Let me just bring you some of that. Uh, Martina was on to say, just listening to Marguerite there, what a remarkable woman and uh, very best of luck to her in the future. Patrick on to say, uh, Marguerite is so inspiring. I met her uh, some years ago, a great lady indeed. Jean is in Cashel, says just listening to Marguerite, she's an absolute inspiration. Patsy was on to say, great to listen uh, to Marguerite, such a great personality. And I know her since my teenage years in Cashel and delighted to hear how well she's uh, doing and best wishes to her for the future as well. Another listener on to say, excuse me, um, a brilliant interview. Hope that lady stays well for many more years. Joe Noble on to say that lady uh, speaking about uh, dementia is just fantastic. And Joe, I know that it's something that's close to your heart indeed uh, yourself. Um, Fran, what a fantastic, positive lady, uh, Marguerite. He's God bless her. Uh, as the song goes, one day at a time. And it's so true. It's good to, to note that you never disagree with uh, a dementia 
person uh, as it just confuses them more and that's in from Jody to us today as well. Now a breakfast brief- briefing will be hosted by the Clonmel Town team on Friday week, that's February 9th at the Tablet Hotel in Clonmel to create an awareness of the business supports available to retailers, businesses and enterprises in the town. The chairman of the town team is Noel Buckley, who's with me in studio. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, and you're extremely welcome indeed. Will you just remind people, first of all, about the Clonmel Town team, Noel, if you would? Well, uh, the Clonmel Town team uh, was put together uh, last September, and basically every town now requires a town team in order to be avail avail of central government funding for projects in town. And the town team is made up of a cross-section of community representatives a call was put out and originally there was a town forum here but now it has become a very formalised uh, structure. So we meet once a month and um, you have Michelle um, or sorry Carl Creighton who's the district administrator who'd sit on that the mayor sits on it representing the elected officials and businesses then and um, social and community groups and disability groups are represented as well so the idea is that it represents a cross-section of the citizens of Clonmel so that all the various interests are sitting at the table making sure that we are developing a town that is to the benefit of everyone. There may be a perception out there that you're all being paid loads of money. Uh, no. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've had to deal with that <laughs> in the last few weeks. People yes. are now under the illusion I'm an implied official of the county council, which I am not. In fact, everybody sitting on that town team, uh, apart from the district administration, Administrator is not is a volunteer on it and volunteering of their time, and let me tell you, if you want something to succeed, as you well know, Fran, it takes a huge investment of time uh, in doing that. But I suppose, from my own personal perspective, I've spent the last three to four years listening to people giving out about this town and its state of decline, which is a reality. But um, I'm of the school where uh, better light a candle than curse the darkness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I would be of the belief you don't have a right to complain unless you're willing to be part of the solution. So I've put my hand up and said I'll put my shoulder to the wheel for two years and see can we change this. And a lot of positives coming from that, Noel, Mm -hmm. but sadly businesses are closing down all of the time, particularly over the last few weeks I've noticed it. Yeah, uh, certainly there's a huge challenging environment there now for businesses um, in terms of energy costs, particularly for businesses which are energy intensive you've seen that with restaurants and so on Mm. uh, users, and then there's the whole issue of employment and employment costs and of course businesses would say about the local authority charges as well. So there are a whole range of costs and at the end of the day any business worth its salt has to make sure it's staying afloat and there has to be enough of footfall coming through that door not only to pay the bills, I mean that's the first call and the next call is hopefully you're making a bit of profit in order to continue to run a business. Yeah, and paying staff is one thing, but sourcing staff, of course. Sourcing, I I was only talking to two business guys yesterday in terms of uh, highlighting this event we're organising, and that's their big challenge, sourcing staff. And also training staff, uh, because it's one thing to source them, but to equip them and train them, particularly those that are in the business of selling and out front of house. uh, I mean, they're your first point of contact with the customer, so you must make sure that customer contact experience is a positive one. 
And that's very important. And that is all about training. And if I'm to make one critique of particularly what I find in hospitality is mm. a lack of training by comparison to years ago. Oh, yeah. E- well, even basic stuff. Uh, you know? People have asked me during the week, well, what would you know about business? Well, I started out in hotel management. And Did I would, you? I didn't yeah, I started out in hotel management, then moved on to managing a section of a creamery, uh, tourist creamery above. So I'm very aware of the importance. Uh, and you're right. And it's a decline I've seen over over the years, the importance of eye contact. I mean, I remember in hotel management, a golden rule was no matter what you were doing, if a customer came through the door, they were your first priority. Yes. Uh, you did not put them second or third. You didn't say to them if you were stocking shelves or whatever, sorry, I'll be with you in a few minutes when I finish this. You turned immediately. And have that. you thought that through, Noel, as to why that is lacking now? Is it a case that we're so desperate for staff that, you know... Yeah, um, training is cast aside almost. Or yeah, well, I think I think businesses are increasingly <laughs> aware, uh, increasingly aware of the importance of training. And I found even in my own experience as a teacher, sending out students on work experience, I had to do quite a lot of training with them before they went out, like making eye contact. Yeah, I know. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of people have difficulty now making eye contact. How to answer a phone? Uh, believe it or not, despite the fact we would say the younger generation are so tech savvy, one thing they don't like doing is talking on a phone. Know, yeah. <laughs> they'll it's, text, it's they'll amazing, WhatsApp, they'll they, Instagram. T- tell me more about what's happening on Friday weekend. Yeah, well, I, this is an event organised in cooperation with uh, the town team, are organised in cooperation with Leo, with uh, the uh, cooperation of the council officials um, and the elected representatives. So it's a cross-section of the leadership in the town uh, from a business and political point of view are bringing this event together led by the town team and its purpose and focus is to bring businesses together to look at how they can support them uh, and it's it's highlighting for instance uh, um, who, who are we targeting to attend local business owners and entrepreneurs um, the representatives from County to Prairie Chamber Skillnet will be there, representatives from Leo, the local enterprise office will be there the South East Regional Skills uh, participants and organisers of apprenticeship programmes for those businesses that need apprentices. Minister Neil Richmond, who has a special responsibility for retail and enterprise, will be one of the guest speakers there. And media representatives and the local politicians will be there. So it's an opportunity for business people to gather. And it's, it's going to... Um, Start with a, a first of all, the event is free. It's up in the Talbot Hotel on Friday the 9th, starting at 8 o'clock. Though it's free because uh, the hotel needs to know the number of breakfasts, it wants people to register with the the Prairie Chamber of Commerce, just register that you will attend. And as I said, Neil Richmond will open the proceedings and then it will be followed by a panel discussion exploring business supports, um, a sort of fireside chat of success stories. And we have the owners, uh, Magella there and Fieldmaster, talking about how she has utilised some of the resources that are available from Leo Skill and um, mm. the local enterprise board um, and we have Jim from Red Nose um, uh, Wine Cafe also and we have uh, Bulmers who will be talking about how they've utilised the uh, available uh, resources right. that so are readily it, available to upskill their workforce so it's in everything terms of from apprenticeship. Very small operations. Very right, small right to, to very large very to large, yeah. people like Bulmers so it's targeted at your literally one person, two person business right through and the reason it's at 8 o'clock 
o'clock in the morning is to enable people to attend it before they open their business. Right, and um, it, it, it's an, it, you're going to hear from it's going to be business people talking to business people mm. it's not going to be council and, officials and does it surprise you know yeah. that people in business might not be aware of the supports that are available to I them. was I was actually amazed at that uh, for instance when I talked to um, to uh, two businesses there uh, only yesterday were saying about complaining about training a staff and that and you know and I said yeah. are you aware your ETB runs training programs and will tailor a training program to your need it's here on the ground and there will be representatives from there as well so you know I suppose it's the old story it's only by coming together and becoming aware um, that you can um you can utilise these resources, mm. and I think I think um, this town faces huge challenges. Uh, we've seen it in terms of uh, the citizens have seen it, and the business community have seen it in terms of the number of shops that have shut in the last five years. And um, business need as much support as they can, but it's also an opportunity for business to communicate to the elected officials and to the minister what their concerns are because in my conversation with businesses they've talked about a whole lot of issues that make the doing of business in this town harder. Like, so, like what? Well, like the, 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 the regulation, the red tape, the amount of um, red, uh, costs associated yeah. with it from rates right across the board to the whole ambience on the street because you see if you if you have a business and the, the two premises next door are fallen derelict that is not a very good image of course for you and 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 business owners saying you know our vacant properties need to be addressed uh, the time for talking is over and I suppose in, in all towns not just on Mel historically had family run businesses mm. and we still have quite a few of those family run businesses in fact I know O'Gorman's menswear is a hundred years in existence yes, which right. is an extraordinary yeah. achievement when you think of it a hundred years in business and um, the challenge for a lot of those businesses that are family run now is the next generation does not want to take them over uh, wow. Before, yeah. back in your time and my time when we were growing up, uh, somebody in the family would be queuing up for of the opportunity yeah. to take over the business and not be only too willing. But I suppose we live in an age now where y our young people are highly educated. They have choices on a worldwide stage you and I didn't have when we were, when sure. we were growing up. Sure. So, And uh, as one business owner said, um, he's 64 years of age now and, you know, None of his family want to take it over, so he's not going to keep going much longer. He'll sell it, but yeah. he said, so we're in a period of transition. Um, yeah, and that transition, uh, there has to be an element of reality to what we're talking about as mm. well, because inevitably the town centres everywhere, they're emptying Oh, it's businesses. not unique to town centres. And, and, and this is going to continue, is it not? No. It is, and I suppose we, we, we equally have to blame the decisions by political representatives and planners down the years. They were all warned not to let out-of-town shopping centres and, and develop. They all did. And what did we do? Yeah, with of course now, there are a few towns that didn't follow that, the likes of Dungarvan and others that kept, ever, kept everything centred. Which is centred, a huge success. And they there, are yeah. now reaping the dividend. That being said, I think it is possible to revitalise Clonmel, otherwise I would not be in this job. But it's going to take uh, the business community coming together.
Right. But but uh, what I mean is the online options, for instance, the online people options, have. Yeah. I mean, is that what you're competing against? You are competing against that, but but uh, towns have to reimagine as well how they do business. I'll give you an example. Carrigan Shure is an example down here. They've managed to source funding now to hire a marketing manager for the next four years. Town, for the town? For the town. And uh, when I came to this town, for instance, um, ladies' boutique shops were an outstanding uh, element on on the streetscape. Yes. Uh, and people came from all over to shop in those boutiques. They've declined. So uh, people, when they come to a town, need to have a range of shops that they engage with. And um, we have a lot of vacancies. And one business guy was telling me when he tried to start his business here in the mid-80s, he had to wait a year and a half to get a space on the main street. Wow. How how things have changed. How things have changed. So I think, you know, the best people... The best people to look at um, how we might change things for the better again are business people. And what uh, the town team is hoping to do, along with the local enterprise office, is set up a business strategy group made up of local business people, a small number of them uh, who would have that depth of national and international experience of how we can market this town and how we can change it from a town in decline to a town that's going to be booming. Because there are huge pluses to the the town. I mean, huge pluses. They are, we we have such rich dividends in yeah. this town. I mean, look at the. Uh, we have ten thousand people coming to work in this town every day. Uh, five thousand of them reside in Clonmel, but five and a half thousand of them are driving into Clonmel. I mean, that's one of the challenges as well, that the lack of housing. As as, as one business owner who has, uh, he's a large multinational, he's one of the directors of it, said to me, uh, he has numerous numbers of his employees who would love to live in Clonmel, but there's no houses available. So they're buying in places like Cashel, Ardfinnan, and some of them travelling as far as Cork. And that's a challenge. And um, if they're driving to those places, it means the money isn't staying in Clonmel. Of course uh, it does, no. yeah. And that notion that, uh, I mean, there's some supports there for, you know, to provide accommodation over shops in the in the There town. is, yeah. Is, is that gaining any traction? Well, it or? is. And, and one of the things uh, the town team is doing now, and we've said it to the council officials, liaison with us, and we, we're insisting on meeting every month. And one of the items on the agenda every month is going to be the vacant properties over shops, what has been the level of engagement, um how are the people who are engaging being supported and what is the level of progress in it because unless we deal with the vacancy over shops in this town uh, but we also need to listen to the owners in terms of what are the challenges in moving from moving from a vacant premises to uh, making it mm, habitable. Yeah. Well costs I suppose are Costs are a thing yeah, and red tape inter- Interesting from one of our listeners it says say this to Noel parking, 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 parking is, is parking that that big a deal that big an issue it's hard to believe it's an issue in the sense that literally within three minutes of our main street, three minutes walk of our main streets, we have 
Gordon Place Car Park, Mary Street Car Park, which is free for the first 30 minutes. We have the old Super Quinn Car Park, Shore Island, uh, and down here near the showgrounds. Um, there's a lot of parking. In fact, Shore Island is only 20% utilised. And what is it? Is it, is it a perception or is it just that people can't park outside of the shop they want to go into? Is that is that what... Yeah, um, I, well, I think one of the positive things that has happened before Christmas is the buses are now coming into the centre of town. They're bringing footfall into the centre of town. Uh, that's their collection point and departure point. Uh, so at least that's providing footfall into the town. And that is the challenge, to get footfall into the town. Yes. Yep. Somebody wondering about the breakfast as well. If yep. I'm about to start up a business, am I welcome? Oh, most welcome. In okay. fact, I had two people only on to me in the last week. If you're about to start a business, if you exist in a business, or if you're in a very challenging environment and wondering how to, how to get through with it now, go to it. Look, every business person will know the importance of networking. Of course. And this is an opportunity to network uh, with fellow businesses. Uh, in fact, I was at a mayor reception for David Angelus uh, during the week that the mayor gave, and he gave the most inspiring speech. In fact, I think it's published on one of the local papers. Please read it. But he, he emphasised, I thought, which was a lovely thing, that if you're a business in town, support other businesses. And he said, by all of us supporting each other, we ensure our survival of course, and, and we ensure the enhancement of the town. Yeah. And, and we, we have a responsibility. Yeah, and I, there, well. I think, look, businesses have very legitimate complaints. Come together and the town team wants to hear your views. Uh, we also want to support you and mm. We want to know how best to support you and how best we can challenge. Very good. So uh, it's, a, it's an ideal energies. opportunity. And just just briefly, if you would, Noel, uh, somebody working uh, with um, uh, young people with uh, disabilities, wondering about access to employment opportunities, are they welcome? They are most welcome. Yeah. As I said, anybody that has issues, challenges, would like to find out more information, would like to find out what supports are available Excellent. for your business from a staffing point of view, from a marketing point of view, any of those, and we will be announcing at that event, other events that are coming up as Very well. Good. 8 a.m. the Talbot Hotel, Hotel. in Clonmel. And just Friday make week. sure you register your interest in attending with the Prairie Chamber of Commerce. There's no limit on the number attending. We just need to know the numbers for breakfast. It's a free event. Why not avail of it? The reason we're starting it early in the morning is so that you can get in and uh, before your business very opens uh, and so on. Noel, thanks for coming in to Thank us you very much. very much. Uh, that's it for me. Leanne produced, uh, Ali looked after our outside broadcast uh, content today. Stevenson's on the way with the time travel and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie